right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the year-end episode of Barstool Backstage, recapping 2023. What an unremarkable year it was. Uh, we do have a great interview today with Modest Yahoo, surprise guest, unbelievable conversation. I don't think we're going to be able to use it for YouTube because his internet was tough. I know you guys were on that call. He was dropping yeah. off a lot. But a really, really great conversation with a fucking legend. Uh, we got Robbie Fox in the building for uh, the year end. I think you did this last year too, Robbie. Uh, how you oh, doing? Did I? I like that. A little tradition. I like starting tradition. traditions here there you go. Uh, on the guest list. Yeah. Um, see what I did there? Kind of I did. Back. <laughs> We're on the guest list on Barstool Backstage. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to be here. Glad to catch up with you guys always. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Dave, how are you, big guy? Uh, I'm hungry. I'm about to dip for lunch. It's great seeing you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the raw bar. I'm waits, great. Dude. You know, it's it's funny. A few th- people just assume I'm miserable because the sports that I follow make me miserable, and I get it. However, food is my. That's like what that. That's what gets me. That's what makes my soul happy. And I'm about to go have a bomb ass lunch somewhere in Chicago. I've never been. It's gonna. I looked up the menu and it is pricey. I'm not paying for it. Who gives a fuck? Get that yeah. can of caviar like you wanted to do it at uh, Maple and Ash or whatever the fuck we were, dude. Dave with his miserable sports teams is like me with like music. It literally is like you have music. <laughs> like we can go out have I, Dave. We gotta go out for dinner sometime. I look forward to that so much. Oh, just Johnny, being, oh, just being happy. Can I tell you, Johnny, as somebody who's been to dinner now with David, it's a good time. It's, it's a, a good, good fucking time. time. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Just <laughs> order the menu. This is like I get into this argument with people all the time. If I'm going out to eat, money's fake to me. Yep. It yeah. doesn't matter. Johnny, order the Johnny, entire fucking a, menu. We've been, we've been to enough label dinners. That's yeah. what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> Dave. Dave sat down and we got cap. They gave us caviar and fucking French onion dip at the table. And then Dave goes, "We should get a whole can of caviar." And Dante was like, "Dave, are you paying for this shit?" <laughs> I didn't pay for that meal. That was a thirteen hundred dollar meal. We already had caviar on the table. That was the point. He's like, "What do you? There's already caviar here." He's like, "Let's get the big one." Thirteen hundred dollars for dinner. <laughs> yeah, it was an expensive dinner, and I covered that shit. Oh, My yeah, favorite yeah. label uh, dinner that we did was we had just signed with Sony, like publishing side, and the guy that signed us high up A&R takes us out for like the celebratory dinner. He doesn't know that we're all vegetarian at the time. And oh. He takes us to some place in New York that ended up being great because like everywhere in New York's good, whether you're vegetarian or whatever. Yeah. Like, you can go to a steakhouse and eat good as a vegetarian in New York. But he takes us to some place. I was called like the spotted pig, but it might have been called like the we're stabbing an animal bloody steak in your face <laughs> restaurant. And we're like, hey, and the look of disappointment on his face was worth everything. Like he was signing anything. you guys right away. He was like, no, oh, no, not God, that. He was no, not disappointment in us. Just like he's like, oh, I fucked up because some artists are like super anal about that shit. Like, I don't give a fuck. But he was like, oh, my God, what did I do? But Johnny, you're, you eat fish, right? Yeah, I started eating some fish lately. What about shellfish? Pescatarian? Like shellfish Is that what they doesn't call that? count to me. Yeah, yeah I'll eat some shellfish. I'm not about crazy about all the stuff I've been eating, but I'll eat some. Well, how I, are, you? I, uh, I can are you asking see, like, if I can eat a bucket of caviar? <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can do that. I'm this hypocritical. Like, I, w- I don't like eating a cow. Like, I like cows, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's fair. Like, you cows love a nice animal. You love steak. But I will eat the shit out of steak. Like, I can see if you were like, no, I'm not doing it. Like a, a shellfish or a fish, like they don't have personality or anything, you know. Hundred percent. None so of the like, ones I've that. met. 
<laughs> Dante, <laughs> what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. Sorry. You're good. What's up? Welcome. Welcome to the year-end episode. We're talking about shellfish versus cows. <laughs> I like to right offer here. different perspectives with my camera. That's my new... I'm going to just switch oh. to serious Johnny, not serious Johnny. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't realize we were on Johnny's... Uh, stream so yeah. like going on kenny's like 15 different times i spent the last 15 minutes <laughs> going to kenny's thing then i went to the one from yesterday that we were on and finally looked at the group chat and good move i'm an idiot i'm sorry smart man <laughs> uh let's start talking about 2023 a weird year in music a weird year in life uh, i thought we'd start by just running over some weird shit that happened over the year and that has nothing to do with music i'll actually start with something from music do you remember Oliver Anthony? Remember when that shit happened? Oh yeah, yeah. Holy fuck! What happened to that guy? CIA recalled him. Is that him. the the <laughs> Richmond? Johnny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Richmond. Richmond. yeah. Richmond. What everybody thought was going to happen. Nothing. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> Dude, not a thing. I will Anybody never. Anybody with the brain thought that. I yeah. will never forget the moment where I went what? from being like, this dude's the fucking man, to then listening to the second verse of the song and being like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> hold the fuck up. Question. Good. Do you think he's regretting turning down those record deals? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. He's just over there smoking mids in the woods now. He has no, he has nothing going on, just hanging the fuck out. Um, talk about talk about when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I don't need a record deal. Now he's poor. And he's like, God. Dude, he's damn on it. to the next mission, Splinter Cell version three. He's gonna show up in like England and poses a a, a rapper singing yeah. about political <laughs> issues or something. Bro, M dot R was my next thing. The fucking white reggaeton guy who went crazy on TikTok. That is my favorite moment of the year by far. He's one of my goals for 2024 to have on the podcast. That's all I want is that guy <laughs> on the podcast. I want to follow him around England for a day. Um, another thing, I just looked up random shit that happened in 2023. Guys, remember when that fucking submarine exploded? It tried to go to the oh, Titanic. That was a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Titanic, and, yeah. Imploded. That was imploded. Excuse me, Dante. I'm glad that you're here to be able to correct me on the uh, implosion versus explosion. So it contracted like a soda can. Yep. Disgusting. Uh, the memes for that were an all-time moment this year. Like the fact that we're all going to hell for the fact that we made fun of a bunch of people who died at the bottom of the ocean. Bro. Go ahead, Dante. Dude, I, I, I didn't want to spoil this in my blog, but I'll spoil it on here. I went and saw Tony Hinchcliffe at Chicago Theater. Oh, nice. Summer. He is so fucking funny. He's, He's an evil bastard. <laughs> he, oh, dude. Yeah. He started his show out. He came out, crowds going fucking crazy. I didn't realize he, he, his fans are like that psychotic. Mm -hmm. He waits for him to die down. There's a stool on stage, nothing else. He grabs the stool and he starts dragging it across the stage really slowly. And it's like... And everyone's like, what the fuck? And they start like nervous laughing. And he stops and he goes, can you guys believe that was the last sound all those people on that submarine heard oh before God. they died? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. So everyone starts laughing. Then he goes, and can you believe they paid $250,000 for Dude. that? Shit? He goes, imagine what a round trip would have cost. <laughs> Dude, I've seen him a bunch so live. He does his. I haven't been yet, but he hosts his live podcast out here in Austin. I, I wanted Kill to go Tony. check out. Yeah, yeah it's Kill Tony. awesome. 
Yeah, um, he's a fucking he's brutal. It's awesome to see comedians that are still like not just like offensive. Like a lot of comedians, have you seen this thing everyone does now? They're like, don't back away from me to the crowd in their specials. It's like, dude, no one's backing away from you. You're not saying that crazy shit. He's one of those dudes where like people actually do like get up and leave, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's the man, dude. I, that is the one reason I really want to come to Austin because I want to go. The one reason, Kennedy. fuck you, you fucking piece of the shit. The one you reason know? I want to go to Austin, dude. Um, besides that, uh, do you guys remember when a, uh, a Senate staffer from the Democrats had butt sex on the fucking floor of the Senate and then filmed yeah. it and put it out? That uh-huh. happened last week. Uh, that was fucking crazy. It's been a really weird year. Was there anything else like big that I'm missing here? Like, did anybody die that we like, missed? Read, uh, I just read today that uh, Kanye's having trouble selling his like Bel Air mansion that he has spent the last year turning into like a prepping bomb shelter for the Holocaust or the <laughs> nuclear Holocaust. Um, <sighs> so it's it's got no electricity and no windows, and he's like pissed off that he can't get his money back for it. So. Dude, imagine, uh, I read that today. That made me laugh. That might be my favorite his kids. moment of the year. Actually. Imagine being his kids and going to hang out with dad and you're in his fucking windowless imagine election. Being Nora. That's true, I guess. Imagine, yeah, imagine preferring to hang out with Kim. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. There was that uh, alien in Mexico. Remember that? They oh, like my God. There was alien. Yeah, there was like fucking mummified aliens. Yeah. The fact that that's not like top line news that they prove it. Like, first off, prove that there was aliens. But like the U.S. government said, yo, we got aliens. And there, nobody was like, all right, cool. We were all just like, whatever. I don't give a fuck, dude. None I'm of curious what's going to happen in, like, what's what's the plan in five to ten years with them aliens? Like, if they're dropping, like, right? Like, if they're dropping little bits now. They're trying to get us used to it. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. What's coming? You know what I mean? That would be tight, though. Like, I don't fear aliens. I think it would be I'm sick. Thank you. I, I got a good poll. If aliens came down and they said, we want to speak to one human. Who are we sending? Kanye. Okay, Kanye. Human, human. Right, Kanye. I was going to say Jack Black. That's actually a good choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's our Jack of the human species? He's I don't a know. good rap. I think we send Joe Bill Biden because then they don't, they're not intimidated and they just like, right. oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're not doing it. They're not doing anything. <laughs> I would pay to watch Trump meet the aliens. Like, I would pay to watch that. Honestly, yeah. that'd be pretty sick. Okay. Someone yeah. do a yeah. better than i can just to watch trump try and bully the aliens like that would be fucking awesome <laughs> i know it doesn't more break aliens. the handshake no, that's what i'm saying yeah harder. yeah just like two long fingers come over to shake trump's hand and he won't let go let me tell you about <laughs> yeah. the space-time continuum <laughs> um yeah this, aliens were we're, we're all missing something here to, i feel like the last 24 hours have been dante's super bowl and i haven't heard a peep yet oh epstein yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything's going to happen, sadly. I think it's going to be... Um, bunch of nothing? I think it's going to be a distraction. I think they're going to throw a bunch of uh, nobodies to the wolves and hope everyone thinks like, okay, that would, that's like checked off. Now we don't have to worry about that anymore. Dante, how game. do you react honestly? I mean, did you see what did you see what they said? They were like, anybody that wants to contest it has 14 days to lawyer up. Every fucking person, you know, that is or isn't on that list that is afraid they're on that list is lawyering up, obviously. So it's gonna it's gonna be more bullshit. How do you react if you know somebody on the list? 
somebody what, like Ooh. what i want to know is are you like, telling us something robbie <laughs> no, I'm just saying, how he's on the podcast, or if Johnny's on the list, like, are you like, we're cutting ties with the podcast? McGregor's on the list, Robbie's upset. <laughs> <laughs> like, how hasn't Anonymous acquired this and leaked this already? Yeah, yeah. good question. Because they to get it. everything, everybody's on it. Maybe they're on it. Are they talking? What if that would, that'd be the ultimate ultimate like plot twist if Anonymous was in on on the whole yeah. thing themselves. Oh, but are they talking what? about like? Are they talking about client list like uh, <laughs> like client list or like financial client? Because he did a bunch of different things. I don't know if it's a gray area or not. Right, I know that's the thing. Like he, like everybody and their mother was going to that island. I would imagine that there are people that had been there that had no fuck. I right that had no hundred percent, hundred percent. That's like Chris Tucker flew shooting. on the Chris Tucker flew on the plane for a mission to Africa. Yeah, that so was why he was on the plane. So it's like I don't know what it means. That's what I'm saying. It's all gray area. Right, like right. what's it really gonna do? It's Bro, a threshold so- thing. Like once you can be like, okay, maybe it's a coincidence. Someone's flying on it thirty five times. Right. Johnny, you, you sound know. like you're making it. It's like, I only flew to the oh, island oh, here, here's, once. Like, here's my here. thing. Back in like 2012 or something, he got convicted of something like pedophilia or oh, something. Yeah. And I want to know who was, you know, at that island after that conviction. Because everybody knows, like, no, if, if you're if you're a Clinton or a Musk, you know the company you keep and who's convicted of what and who's dirty where, you know. Yeah. So I want to know who was there after that conviction. And that's all. <laughs> Who would I'm, be the I'm na- beginning to think that the people that have run the earth forever might not be great guys. Turns <laughs> let's, out. Tie, let's tie this together. Who do we think Epstein's number one, his favorite band was? Oh, hey, that's a great. Butthole surfers. Butthole surfers. I'm trying to think. Don't make me he, like him. He, he loves str- Kanye. 100% he loves no, Kanye. No, he strikes me as like a, he's a rave guy. I don't know how else to I put it. He, like a, is he a parrot head? Is he a Buffett guy? Not to oh, throw man. That know, actually makes sense. He's a Buffett guy. How sick would it be, though, if the list came out and it was just Dante's name? Dante was the only, like, all the blogs he's written on Barstool, they were just like, all right. The only name we found was Dante Deanna, and he's been Dude. there 47 times. Dude, I haven't fucking written shit compared to Jerry. Jerry fucking gets everything he wants off i was so pumped when i saw that yesterday i was like hell yeah i <laughs> never never in a million years in my blog got published is the, who is the most shocking person that could be on that list like a name that you saw you'd be like they I mean, went I already, to i was already shocked like rfk jr's on it i mean that's a guy who i thought was it had some fucking character apparently not i mean if you if you hung around with that guy Taylor Swift. <laughs> Bro, that would be wild. The, the world would fucking end. That's why she has that private jet, dude. She's been making Timeline. trips a little Timeline. scene. Timelines don't don't line up. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> that was a real a real suspicion. Well, here's one. Like, they're pretty fucking powerful couple. Jay-Z Beyonce. That oh, wouldn't shock me yeah, whatsoever. They're on it. They're on the list. Are they? Yeah. Okay, got, that it makes kind of sense. They're the like number one name not. that would shock me would be Tim Tebow. If Tebow was on the Epstein Island list, that would shock me. I love a Tebow. Don't do that to me. He's my favorite person. <laughs> I love Tebow. I got I two of his Tebow. books sitting over here, dude. I love Tebow. Poor Tebow. Um, Where did Poor we get? How did we get here? 
I don't All know. Right, fellas, I, I have to do things this year. Um, I wanted to say this year. Hold on real quick, Dave. Merry Christmas, buddy. Have a good day. All right. Merry Christmas to you guys. I love you all equally. Uh, album of the year. Uh, first one that came to my head was Rodrigo. Worst album of the year. I didn't like Blinks. It was that. Uh, uh, it's not the worst of the year. It's like the most underwhelming to me personally because I wanted to love it. Um, person we most want on the pod, I think we have our eyes set for Dave Grohl in 2024. That's my pick. I think it's absolutely fucking doable considering who we've had on this show. Grohl is my pick. Great fucking move. Dave, we're aligned. I love it, Dave. Shoot high. Fuck hard it. Aim for the stars. Dave's new nickname, hard out. Guys gotta go to <laughs> guys gotta go eat oysters, bro. Go eat oysters. Hard out, Dave. Leave. <laughs> All right, see ya. Love you, Dave. Why don't we God, start, finally, dude? I hate that guy. <laughs> why don't we start? That, why don't we start that there then? Because Dave already said it. Who do we most want on the podcast in 2024? Like dream guest, because I got three, and Grow is one. Grow is the one. I feel like we actually have a shot. I don't know why. I just what's it? What'd you say, Wussy? That R. Kelly. Yeah, I'll do R. Kelly. Of the story, <laughs> dude. That is really funny because I was gonna put this in the group. We have Rustin Kelly coming on, who I love, huge Americana artist. And I want the first question I want to be is is just ask like, just introduce him as R. Kelly, like just <laughs> see what he does. He seems in on the joke though. He's cool. Um, yeah. So I got Grohl. I got Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne is still right up there for me. I want Wayne so fucking bad. Yeah. My pipe a- dream and the only person we've been turned down for blatantly is Springsteen. I know it's not going to happen. Ooh. I don't give a fuck. I'm, Dude, I am it. not doing the 12-hour podcast. So. Blow me. <laughs> you can fucking come in and come out. I don't care. Springsteen's three. Weirder shit has happened. Let's make it happen. And his PR agent was so nice. He was like, you, this seems great, guys, but no. I was like, all right, cool. We'll see, buddy. We'll see. I want <laughs> I want Springsteen on. I'll just cry for what four hours. Johnny think it would be a twelve hour podcast because his because his songs are like six hours long. Each of them. <laughs> his so, concerts are four. Let hours me tell long. you this story. Like fucking three years later. Come on, Bruce. <laughs> Fuck you. Do you guys have anybody you like very very specifically want on? Like, just put it out in the universe. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I want T Pain. I, I've said this before. I think oh. I said it last year because I want to be like. Uh, when can we put our song yeah, out? Yeah, put our song out. Yeah, <laughs> he has new music coming out. It could happen, and he does a lot of streams and shit. Yeah, and he's no, done Sunday conversation, so he's done stuff with yeah. Marshall before. Why not? Did pizza reviews and stuff. Yeah, it came out at a pop punk show. Let's make I don't it. Think it was at that one. That was East Carolina. It was a fun time. Uh, um, I wrote down Green Day. Green Day's got Green a new Day album next year. Fucking dude, that would be another one I would probably cry. I, I that's my childhood. I fucking love Green Day. By the way, the yeah. new music's not bad either. The, the it's shit pretty good. Do. Yeah, I'm a fan. Listen, can uh, I tell you, can I say that not bad and pretty good are not great? <laughs> no, I like I like that new track. Is it Saviors? It's like the heaviest Green Day song I've heard in years. Yep. It's like it's almost bad. like Hitching a Ride Part 2. Which I, I just love. bought a Kerplunk t-shirt. Fuck oh. yeah, dude. Oh, Hell yeah. yeah. Great album cover. The, I mean, it's better yeah, than the Flower I, Plant. Yeah. Oh, it's exactly. better than Father of All Motherfuckers. I'll tell you that much. It's it's oh, better. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. better than Father of All Motherfuckers. Uh, Kenny, anybody you like really want on the pod next year? I still really want to make sure we get Killer Mike. I'd be really fucking pumped on that. Dave Grohl's way up there. I'd love to get Zach De La Roca on some shit. Um, I mean, fuck, there's so many. It could go forever. You know what I mean? Creed. Give me fucking Kendrick. Give me Creed. I'd be fucking stoked on a Creed. Give me a lit. 
You know what I mean? Yo, yes. Well, we, we I feel get... like uh, whatever about Blink, but like I would love to have those dudes on at some point. How about Dave dropping that and just leaving? I know. I mean, I could see being under. I loved it, but I could see being underwhelmed. Calling it the worst Hard of out, years. Land. Yeah, I'm, I was underwhelmed. Hard <laughs> out, Dave. I wasn't whelmed at all. It was what I wanted it to be. It was Can a I simple tell you Blink. What album. I was more excited for this year for Blink was the videos of the live shows. Yes, was, exactly. Yeah, good yeah, for yeah, them yeah. playing fucking arenas, sounding great, having huge shows, all this shit. Like, especially after Mark's ordeal, like whatever about the record, it was underwhelming to me. But just watching the videos of that tour made me so happy to be a Blink fan. That to me was one of the themes of the year, though. And like, if we're looking at 2023 as a whole, I still Kenny think it was positive. Yeah, Kenny was positive. All you got to do is fucking bring up Blink. Shit. There you go. Love it. Oh, see, live shows, baby. Live shows get me. That's that's where I get got. Look, at that, like one of my themes for the year of 2023 was it was the return of like music. I don't know how to put this, but like 2023 to me will be remembered as the year that the bell curve hit where hip hop started falling down. Hip hop has started to lose steam. And then the Americana more folk shit. Like, think of this as, like, 2011, 2012, where Mumford and & Sons and the Lumineers started to go up. You're watching that fucking pattern happen again, and the Noah Cahans and the Zach Bryans of the world started taking over the charts. Cardi B was tweeting yesterday about why the fuck is country music so popular. You're watching it happen in real time, and hip-hop's <laughs> hit a stagnation period, is what it is. Think, I can tell you why country music is so popular right now. Trump? And it also leads me into who else I want to get on the podcast. Trump? Laura Trump. Her fucking cover of Tom Petty's song, is why country music is, is exploding right now. And I'd love to talk to her about her thought process behind that. Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> but no, I think that's, that's my takeaway for the year. I think EDM music had a huge fucking year. Huge year. You're looking at these shows that like EDM artists are doing. John Summit just fucking sold out a stadium in LA. That's insane to me. We were talking to that guy in a green room in a fucking 1500 cap room like a year ago and he's selling out stadiums now. Um, is the only EDM artist that I care about. Me too, buddy. <laughs> me too. Um, hip hop's hit a stagnation period. It was a year of underwhelming albums. I'll be completely honest. It really wasn't that much that fucking stuck with me. I think the classic pop punk shit with the, like the when we were young fest kind of bands. When we talked to Yellow Card, one of the first things they said is, "We don't know why we're so popular right now." That is still pumping right now. Um, and I think that the new wave emo shit is kind of starting to fall away. Go ahead, Kenny. I am a When We Were Young Fest fan. All those bands are the bands I grew up with. It's funny that every year when that festival comes around, there's like, oh my God, so-and-so's back. They're blowing up. But then the festival comes and goes, and then yeah, I know. to the fucking ether they go again, like a yellow car. <laughs> hey, you know what's also funny about that fest is the ticket prices. You know, I understand that we don't get this as often as we used to, but it's like $400 to get into yeah, that. And it's like, you know, they used to tour with that and it was $20 to get in and it was called bucks. Vans Warped Tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but all those fans now are, are fucking Emmy-nominated, diamond-certified <laughs> rich guys, you know? Well, yeah, it's everybody who used to go to Warped Tour now are credit card hippies and can yeah. spend, you know what I mean? So we can go spend 400 bucks. And you're getting them all in one, and you're getting all... I mean, this go-around is, is... I love that they're switching it up and doing this album... Mm -hmm. uh concept i think that that could really have legs in terms of touring you know that we see going forward oh yeah i mean think about it besides like 
Springsteen and U2, what other acts do you know have done a tour where they're just centering around like a single album? That's it. I mean, do like anniversary things, but yeah, you usually got to wait that for like a 10 year. I know that supposed to do disaster pieces start to finish, which is an interesting thing. I mean, like Roger Waters is the first one that comes to the mind with me touring right, the yeah. wall and shit like that, but um oh uh, alt j alt j this year did their first record their debut record start to finish on a whole like fucking 26 week tour or something crazy that's That's awesome but yeah i saw them at at lollapalooza a few years ago i'd never seen them live before they i mean they had one of the bigger crowds i was shocked and for not a energetic high energy show they 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 played really fucking well it was cool Kill it, dude. They're so good. If you sit in front of house at an all J concert smoking a blunt, man, it's a religious fucking experience. It's it crazy. sounds like you've done that before. That's a very sounds specific, like a very specific yeah. experience. Yeah. <laughs> I have, and it's fucking awesome. Kenny's like, if you're like a five foot eight Asian dude smoking a blunt at an all day show, like you know, I hung out with those guys one time. Cool dudes. I like those guys. Um all right, so what, what you got, Johnny? How to write an Alt J song if I played you that? Yeah, you no, played that before. <laughs> Play it real quick. You go ahead. Get to your fucking head. This is how Alt J makes music. Oh yeah. Watch. Great. Put put it in my butt. Put put it in my put it up. Put it in my butt. Put it in my butt. Put it up. Put it in my butt. Put it up. Put it put it up. Put it up. Put it put it put it up now. Put it in my butt. Put it in my put it up. He's eating sweat. Hell is this? Let it go. Let it go. This is great. Podcasting at its finest. Great. <laughs> it's, it's accurate. It's so fucking accurate. It's though. really accurate. It's really fucking accurate. I that they're eating King's Hawaiian sweet rolls. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Um, let's go into some of the best of 2023. Best and worst. Um, we'll do best album to start. Like, just for you, what the best album of the year was. Like I said, I don't think there was a lot of albums that are going to stick from this year. I don't I don't think this was an overwhelmingly great year. I don't think there's a lot of memorable shit that really happened this year. It's it's sad. Like, when you have something like a Travis Scott Utopia, which I said from Jump Street, completely underwhelming. People waited years for this. It was okay. Nobody talked about it three weeks after it came oh, out. It was, it was terrible. Okay, good. I'm glad somebody else said it so I don't get attacked by 12-year-olds online. Um, for me, <laughs> my album of the year, uh, Jesus Christ, Weather Veins by Jason Isbell. I've been saying this all year. It, to me, was his second best record. He's my favorite Americana artist. I love Isbell. He hates Barstool, so this makes it very, very weird because I know I'll never get him on the podcast. I don't give a fuck. I still Why love does he hate guy. Barstool? I don't know, dude. He's an over, over, over the top left wing guy, like scary left wing guy to the point where he like can't listen. To I don't think you can be heavily left wing like that kind if he won't like talk to someone and make good Americana music. That's like not possible because Americana is about fucking inclusiveness and openness. So fuck you haven't, have you been choice. alive in 2023, buddy? Uh, no, no, I'm talking what? about I'm talking idealistically. I know. Weather Veins is incredible. It's a per- it's a perfect album in my eyes for this year. Um, I thought it was a, a really great job. Dave Cobb produced it. Just fucking great work. His vocals were incredible. Cut live, really great record. Um, past that, I didn't have like anything else that like really, really. Ca- oh, I wanted to give a shout out. Nas and Hitboy finished their sixth album cycle. 
they had King's Disease 3 and Magic 3, both great records. Hit Boy was huge this year. Nas continues to be unbelievable, almost 50 years old. Those are my two things I wanted to shout out. Uh, Robbie, we'll go to you. What was your album of the year? Uh, so my album of the year, it feels like picking, like I feel bad picking a specific me choice. It's not as mainstream a choice as I'd like to pick, but Tell Me I'm Alive by All Time Low. All Time Low is my favorite band. This one was like a cool 60-40 blend of pop punk where they lean a little bit more on pop on the production side here. There's still punk stuff on the album that'll make people excited, but I thought that was awesome. I actually liked a lot of albums this year. For As far as like pop punk goes, mm-hmm. Pop Mulligan put out an awesome album this year. Knuckle Puck put out an awesome album this year. Oh, um, there were a lot... Well, I'm screened. Uh, was it uh, this uh, Amel and the Sniffers? Did they have a new one this year? There's been a lot of good like punk stuff. There's been a lot of good hardcore stuff. I kind of like dipped my toes into hardcore this year more yeah. than I ever have. Hardcore. This is a good year for hardcore. Good year for hardcore. Like crazy amount of live shows, festivals where the crowds are massive, like absolutely. Oh, it's fucked in up fucking about Oklahoma music. or something. You what? know what's fucked up about hardcore music is that. <laughs> For whatever reason, that genre, bands come and go, they die so fast that every time I find a new hardcore band, I'm like, these guys are fucking sick. They broke up eight years ago. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of cool. Like when something burns hot and is like, yeah. uh, you well, know, it's, it's like they, when they, TV shows do two good seasons and just leave on top instead of fucking yeah. dragging it out. Uh, Drain's new record this year. Yeah. Yes. Drain is awesome. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get them in the office next year. I already talked to the singer. I please come. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Can can you have to understand the reason they all break up so quickly is because they all have to go back to their jobs selling etnies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they all they have to go back to their either that or their warehouse jobs where they're yeah, all I work tra- at Foot Locker. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, these are a great shoe, by the way. Like a, <laughs> what are you doing? Kickflips on the side, dude? What are we doing? Not just even walking, dude. They make some casual sneakers that are very comfortable. I was poor when I was a kid, so we didn't have etnies. We had airwalks, which were the uh, yeah. the Coles version of etnies. Oh, man, I fucking smash airwalks, dude. Um, I had some airwalks. Airwalks were sick. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Remember Fat Farms? No. no. Oh, man, you guys you guys weren't poor. You guys were out here smashing airwalks. All, right. all, all that like mid-2000s generation of fucking skate shoe, Lakai, America. Why were all the shoes like... This from Osiris shoes. Osiris. Osiris. Everyone who wore Osiris's also smoked cigarettes and also wore like cookie monster pajama pants. I don't that know how to put it. Bean bracelets. It's a very specific form of white trash that we're rocking. Yeah, fucking Osiris's. Yes, exactly. In the uh, Dante, your album of the year. I said it when it came out. I'm very, very disappointed that it got really shafted uh grammy nomination wise uh i love that 1975 album oh i forgot oh, about that that's definitely up there for me i'm putting that on came my out, list came out beginning of the year was one of the first albums in a long time where every single song on it is listenable and enjoyable um pretty different direction for them has that 80s synth sound to it um i saw the tour live they they perform pretty much every song on it it's fucking incredible live you know i love saxophone a lot of sax on it um just unbelievable album i can't believe that it, it got no nominations i wonder if it has anything to do with maddie healy's controversial personality and uh it's exactly what it is 
I know it's a joke, dude. It's a fucking joke. It's dude. Taylor Swift put a call into the board and she was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, all right, no Grammys for you. Dante, that's a great poll. I forgot that happened. And I've yeah. been talking about it a lot recently. It's a fucking great album. She had a sit down in the back of a grocer's. That's how she does things. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, correction. It wasn't ammo and the sniffers. It was uh, Scal put out an EP this year. That's awesome. See, I'm glad we, you came on because I, I would have completely skipped all those records. And I mean, Kenny would have brought up Drain because Kenny loves Drain. But um, the hardcore and pop punk scene really did have a big year. Dante, I can't believe you didn't bring up the Skrillex record. I mean, there were a few really good songs on it that I liked. But I, I mean, Skrillex is Skrillex for a reason. He's always um, pioneering the new sound. So. Right. It sounds completely different. I get that. I get that he's not going to sound like he did, you know, seven years ago. But I still, part of me is still so in love with Skrillex seven years ago that I I wish that he gave us a little taste of that and he didn't. It's fair. It's very modern. I it's put very, that song Rumble as my song for the year because th- do you so have good. any idea how hard this was for me to find something from this? I had to go sort my library by release date. I was like, okay, 2023. I got four things added. That Rumble <laughs> track with Fred again um, and uh, Skrillex, I really like that. The production on it is fucking incredible. Like, I don't know how they got that bass to do Everything. what it does. Like, I can turn my speakers up to 11 and it's loud as fuck, but they're not like moving. It's just something yeah. like technically that they did with the bass that's incredible on that. It's, everything he does is so clean and pristine. It's unbelievable. It, Johnny, if if you like that, you you gotta obviously you probably heard it, but that in the ghetto song is another. I think I have, but I'll go check it out again. Sample. I mean, he just takes the simplest samples and turns them into yeah. these fucking master i mean he's he's incredible he's seriously incredible it's i'm going through now and there's a like i'm looking at a list of records that came out this year there's a couple that we that i missed that i'm i'm pretty upset about johnny i don't think we got your album of the year um um that uh paul simon album is called seven psalms it came out it's just an acoustic album it's remember he released it as like one song 35 minute not song but like it's you can't skip and i really loved it and it was like an old-fashioned music listening experience with no skipping and just listening. See, and that was a big thing for you. I remember we had like two weeks of the podcast where we talked about <laughs> that. Give it to Paul Simon for doing something unique in 2023. That's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty impressive, actually. Um, a couple of things we forgot about. Maybe my song of the year is on an album we forgot about. Paramore. That new Paramore record was fantastic. On my uh, list. It's definitely on my list for sure. The news might be my song. I love that song so much. Great song. There's a couple of songs that are up there. It's a fantastic record for a band that continues to do cool things every time they put new music. I love what I love about that record is that I feel like it's, um, this is a weird comparison, but it was like the used second record to me where you get a little bit of the nostalgia, a little bit of the thing that you know them for, but it does evolve in a way that makes sense. Yes. like that Paramore record was a great release like of like, oh, this is a new version of Paramore, but it's still the old, but it's still the new. And it's a little bit more put together and a little bit more adult. And I thought that was cool. Well, what's amazing about them, too, is that, you know, they are pigeonholed into this emo pop punk lane. But there's never been two albums where they maybe the first two records where they do the same thing again. Like they they come and they do After Laughter. And it's like an 80s inspired emo record. To get pigeonholed. 
Yeah, but I, it's yeah. just like, and this this was this was rock and roll, but it was it was you know I, the news is something I brought up throughout the years. Like it was Incubus meets fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers meets emo music, and it like was very interesting to me. And I, I, Haley Williams is just a great songwriter. I think I, it's I, kind of a weird thing. What happens with a lot of bands uh, is they get pigeonholed because of like a big song or a big album, and then fans go listen to like four albums later and then see this radical change and be like, what the fuck? But they don't see like the three albums that are gradually shifting and evolving as they go along. So you get like this warped perspective of artists like just like, why do you change your sound so completely? It's like, well, we didn't. We kind of got here slowly. Well, also, Johnny, I I feel like in a moron not knowing who this was because we had them on our show this year. Who was the guest that we had that made the point um you know the first album is the studios or the labels album and the, the second album is the band's album uh was that uh, yeah, i know i remember someone saying that. i can't i can't picture who it was either yeah and i mean it's so true it's it's why you you see a lot of that boomerang effect that you just mentioned yeah <laughs> i had uh i had two more records quickly to talk about that we forgot about uh title of the creator who's been on a great run, put out uh, in a deluxe version with basically eight new songs on it for uh, for yeah. Call Me If You Get Lost, called The Estate Sale. And there was just eight phenomenal songs on the back half of that record that I was yeah. really, really, really impressed by. I love him. I love him. I think he's like one of the most interesting artists out right now. But a record that was on my recap at the end of the year a lot, and I forgot how good this record was, was uh, Keitronine, which is uh, Keitronada and Amine, uh, producer-rapper combo, and it was this really cool kind of like hip hop meets like Afro beat meets like kind of house music mishmash. It's a record I highly suggest to everybody to go check out. And it got a lot of play this year, but like forgotten on those like year end lists. Um, that's fantastic. Can't forget about Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia scaring the hose. So good. So gnarly. So raw. Danny put out another record called Quaranta at the end of the year, but scaring the hose really was like a return to Danny after atrocity exhibition just to be like yo he's here Dan- Danny's really here he's sober he's doing a great job good for Danny Brown dude that record was on my list that one um 100 gex the 10,000 gex record like no here's the thing right do I think it's the one of the best records of the year no did it catch me in a way that I was like oh this is fucking interesting so I don't know take that what you will and then I think my number one record of 2023 is uh the new Andre 3000 flute record. Yo, new <laughs> really? blue sun, let's go. My favorite, dude. I fucking you, what, Kenny, what's your favorite track off? <laughs> Kenny, what's your favorite track <laughs> on new blue sun? I'll stop that fucking Jupiter. That thing's a Yeah, seriously, bro. Jesus. Check those quarter-inch cables, man. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, Andre 3000 dropping the surprise banger we didn't know we needed this year with his flute yeah. album. And number one. He wins. Number one by far. We should put that out just as clickbait. We should <laughs> actually, <laughs> Kenny. Kenny, can you do me a favor and announce that again? And we'll just all we should all just be like, Yes, easy number one. I just want to put that, that clip out. Can you just say that one more time? I need to get my uh, flute wait. sound here. There you go, Johnny. <laughs> Andre 3000, New Blue Sun. Love it. A- album of the year by far. Just inspires. Is oh man jesus christ uh we didn't mention zach bryan i thought it was a good record it's not as good as american heartbreak but it was good i'm yeah. happy for the guy it's i i said this a couple weeks ago it's getting better and better the more i listen to it also you know what else is fucking 
turned into an incredible album is uh, Stapleton's new one. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic. Really good. Dude, I've been listening to it the last like week in the car and it like, oh my God, the first like fucking four songs on it are just like, I'm like, I'm trying to guess what his next massive single is going to be because he's, he's got three or four of them that are going to be like number ones for Dude, sure. You know what I came across of his recently is uh, he does a live version, I think, with Willie Nelson of You Were Always On My Mind, the Willie Nelson mm-hmm. yeah. song. And it, I love that song. Like It's kind of over the top, like schmaltzy ballad, but it's, it's fucking incredible. And him I'm singing it is that. like unreal. I need when to find you, out. When you like listen to that record, you're reminded just how next level he is as a songwriter and a vocalist. As a, like every year, this guy just consistently puts out album of the year consideration like he's just solid and nobody can ever contest that nobody's ever like overrated he's doing this he's doing that just like yeah he's an american standard now chris stapleton has become an american standard my favorite track of the year was the american national anthem by chris stapleton at super bowl like that was probably the greatest performance i've seen in a long time dude you know i check our youtube stuff every day we still get comments every day about that fucking clip that we put out where i said that uh instead of uh chris stapleton doing national anthem i'd rather hear migos and i get comments every day like you anti-american pussy you need to get shipped <laughs> off to guantanamo bay you fucking loser who are the migos this is trash you're a disgusting piece of shit and i'm like you know what this is all youtube they're right but for the wrong reasons Colin. Oh, we need more of that. You need more of me getting uh, the right riled up because I want Migos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Migos, dude. That would be an amazing national anthem. Quick, quick, quick. If we can get a Migos national anthem this year, I should be paid hundreds of thousands of dollars just for putting that out into the ether. I would. Love can you that. imagine whoever's going to get uh, tapped to do the the anthem next year? Just being like, no, I'm not following that. Yeah, and, and this year's national anthem done by Sis Capleton. It's just Chris Stapleton in glasses and glasses. Um, and did we have once again going through the list this year? Was there a song of the year? Was there a song of the summer? I feel I I can't think of anything that jumps off my head. Maybe it's that fucking uh, Ice Spice song, uh, "Boys a Liar." I feel like that was a huge song for the youth. But I feel uh, like there was that song. I'm not saying this was my song, but there was that song that Selena Gomez was on. With, it's an African artist. It's a pop song. Like globally, I think it was up there. It's like like billion streams, sort of thing. I can't even remember the name, but speaking of it, I know what it is. Bro, speaking of Africa, that Tyler song is up there for me, dude. Water is uh, excuse me, water is an unbelievable <laughs> song. Yeah, it's I can't cool. say yeah. Did you see that water. link I sent you of all like the kind of original stuff that she, she's not like stealing it's like that's where she's coming from, but it's like the kind of like uh more what's the word? like original or kind of less popified version of that. Checked out those links I sent you. They're cool. The song, the, the song of the year, I'm going to say it, and you're going to say, fuck, you're right. How is it Dua Lipa? No, it's Fast Car by Luke Combs. That's Black. not fair, though. It's That absurd. song was on every country and mainstream radio station every 10 minutes all fucking year long. I'm not arguing that. It's fa- And by the way, he did a fantastic job. It's just hard for me to like, the Tracy Chapman version is yeah. ubiquitous. It's the best. Like personally, I think the song of the year should have been uh Miley Flowers. 
Great song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great song. We forgot about uh, the Miley that, Cyrus album. I thought that was that was the song of the year, but that kind of got forgotten about after summer. Yeah, no, and it, it was a huge smash. It was everywhere. I hear it all. It, that's great department store music. You walk into Target, <laughs> fucking flowers is always on. Like, yeah. it's it's great inoffensive flower. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Get the fuck out of here. Um, that's what I, I have for, uh, is ret- retail, uh, retail alt rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all we're aiming for, brother. Robbie, what were you going to say? I have Under You by the Foo Fighters. Dude, I was just literally going to say that song. Yeah. So that, that's like an unapologetic old school 2000s rock song for the, from the Foo Fighters, old sound and like genuinely heartfelt lyrics about losing a loved one. That was the, me and you were texting about that. So the first time I was running through that, I was at the gym doing pull ups, listening to that song, just geeked out of my mind. Oh, on look at this guy doing I was pull-ups. geeked out of my mind on pre workout going, This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Awesome. I've never yeah. heard anything better. This is the best. I, I also wanted to shout out uh, Heartbreak of the Century by Neck Deep. They put it out back in February, so it's been a while. It's a song with a bass solo in the bridge that's fucking awesome. Ooh. And they have a new album out. It's going to be on their new album uh, next month, January. So should be good. Oddly enough, I actually think the song of the year probably is a song that came out in 2023. But Stick Season by Noah Kahan did huge things for his career and was everywhere. I actually really don't like the song that much. Uh, I like a lot of his other shit, but it was big enough to get this dude from Vermont who got famous on TikTok to do SNL two weeks ago. That's pretty yeah. amazing. It's a, it's a white woman anthem right now. It really like every <laughs> girl you see in a flannel is just is. tweeting about that song. Um, we haven't mentioned Drake. We we haven't gone into most underwhelming. No, don't, you, you don't spoil it. We almost made it. We're going to talk about the most underwhelming albums of the year. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I, I, I have two that jump out and they're both hip hop albums. Uh, I got the Drake album. I've, I've gotten enough online hate for my entire life. I'll ever need for saying for all the dogs was a pile of dog shit. I thought it was terrible. The song with bad bunny where he's singing in Spanish is atrocious. Um, it was bad. Can I ask a genuine question? I'm going to pretend like I'm an alien. And I understand that Drake is like always top three streaming artists or even one. Who actually likes Drake? Like, what? Are, what is his demographic? Because I can't picture the people that actually like hip hop liking him. He, to me, he, I swear to God, I'm not like trying this talk shit. He really just sounds like this really corny impression of hip hop to me. Picture a 16 year old white kid with a vape standing outside of somewhere okay. uh, with like really baggy clothes on. And he says like things like on God a lot. Like, you know, like just like very like that's that's pretty accurate. And that's what I think of when I think of Drake. Like, you know, know, there's a billion of these people. At least, bro. At least. (laughs) Apparently, yeah. YP is the only like Drake fan that I've truly met. Obsessed with Drake, OVO, going to the releases, the drops, the sample sales. And yeah, I've I've been like I've been like that in the past. Like when I guess I was in college and uh nothing was the same came out i was like this dude is unbelievable like Yo, he's the best. I, just, I just typed in worst albums of 2023 <laughs> number one is drake for all the dogs <laughs> there it is i am validated brother let's go uh i i genuinely think it was atrocious and i think it has a lot to do with what you're seeing in rap now i think i, I, I another think one. it was that i thought his last one not the sat, not the twenty one savage one. The one. With Honestly, never mind. Pregnant dad. emojis. 
Yeah. yeah, I think that was way worse. Yeah, you, but it comes, but it comes with the expectations. It's just like against the expectations of what it's supposed to be. That was a fucking. Lit. I also and the oh, dance one he did before that. The dance too, one, I yeah, I was saying like that. That to me, like the dance record, we all got on, and Dante said it was his most disappointing album of the year before. Like, but that was a departure. He was trying something. I'll give him at least that. This was a he phoned this shit the fuck in. And with that fucking Jack Harlow record, like I remember all. I the like that album. Buzz the buzz and hype the fucking shit and blah blah blah. I listened to it the day it came out, and you're like, I mean, eh, you know. Thirty seconds to Mars is on the list. Let's go. Fuck you, Jerry. I mean, this, is a, this is just a fucking website. I was Steel Panther even on. I, I'm on the same we forgot. We forgot website. about Post Malone. I didn't think that was that bad of an album. It's forgettable, though. Forgettable was that, that was when I listened to it the night it came out, and I, I never went back to it. The theme of 2023 was forgettable. When it comes to yeah. albums in 2023, the theme was forgettable. All the heavy hitters put out music. Drake, forgettable. Post Malone, cute, forgettable. Like it, nothing stuck. Nothing stuck. Other honestly, than- I'll, I'll go with my most underwhelming and it's not a bad album at all but it's forgettable and that's why it's on there and the first single was so fucking good that it made me so excited fallout boys album so much for stardust it's fine and there's a couple songs on it where i'm like holy shit this is some fucking vintage fallout boy but for the most part i think there's like 18 tracks on it that's exactly how i feel 18 i'm like that's "Ah." exactly how i feel about the blink record same and same about that fallout boy record you're like it's fine it's good sounds great and there's some bits, cup bits that like you get old blink and shit, but you're like, I just kind of was hoping for more. But here's Dude, the I, question. I, I should probably just record what I'm about to say so I can just play it every time we have this conversation because I feel like a broken record. But like, it's a problem of volume. You cannot put out this much music and expect, like, it's forgettable because, like, who can remember out of four million songs a year, you know? And that's the question is, and once again, we've been doing this podcast now for three years. So we, we have backlog data and backlog conversations to say we've been having this conversation a lot is it the music or is it the consumer and are we just trained differently now that we can't retain this shit so there's the real question and the real because every year i'm getting more and more pulled into this is all dog shit we are at the end of times what are we doing so are also getting old but to what johnny said <clears throat> yes 100 it's hard to do that with the amount of songs that come out but there are a few bands that like I have confidence in that they can do it. And that leads me to like the new music, right. That I'm looking mm. forward to next year. Um, the new green day record, right? Like I feel like they're a hard band to like, let you down a new Slater Kinney record, a new Sonic Ooh. youth record, new MGMT records coming. Honestly, here's a weird one. You know what I'm excited for? This is, I don't know. Maybe this is cheesy. Maybe this is not the new Sum 41 record. Yeah. Yo, His singles are good. Derek's fucking comeback, right? And how he's performing right now and how he sounds right now live is unbelievable. And this new record, they released two songs from it, and there is full metal screaming Metallica riffs, like old school Sum 41, but like more polished and also heavier and kind of excited for it for that one. It's their come. final album, too. They announced yeah. like after this, like they're disbanding for the moment. Yeah. So yeah, they'll be so back. I, I, for my news music that I'm looking forward to hearing, this kind of ties into the point we're making about too much music is that uh Belgian artist Strame, who had kind of a oh, big yeah. moment this year. His I was just looking up his dick discography. His what? His dick. I was looking up his, <laughs> his discography. Uh so he put out an album in 2010, then he put one out in 2013. The next one was the one last year, 2022. 
So wow. I don't think we're going to get music from him next year. And I'm looking forward to that because then maybe six years from now, we'll have another great album. And like everyone can't afford to do that. Like he had a massive album and he kind of did the right and morally <laughs> acceptable thing and just waited till he had another fucking album worth. But, you know, everyone else, like myself included, we got to make, I got to put out fucking 30 songs just so Drake doesn't drown me. Yep. Uh, my my albums that I'm really looking forward to. We're getting a new Idols album, uh, and they're doing a lot of collaboration with uh, LCD Sound System. So it's this really heavy Cockney English band mixed mm -hmm. with James Murphy and his brain. The first single was called Dancer that came out, and I really loved it. I thought I was going to hate it. I really loved it. Um, for an older band that I want to hear new music from, I want a new. Uh, Jesus, it just fucking left my brain. I don't know how that just happened. I think we're getting uh, Robbie. We can all we can all get there. Uh, you know, like yeah. that's a fucking pipe dream. I think we're uh, getting a new Tim and Paula record next year. I'm in for that. Although I the last the last record was okay. It wasn't the it was okay. Not Currents, the one after Currents. Oh, I know the 2020 record, not Currents, the the newest one. I thought was fucking. It wasn't as good as Currents. Right. Exactly. All right, but that's tough to like be like. Yeah. Okay, this record's not good because this one was better. You're like, it was a classic. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the one that I was talking about. Uh, Motion City soundtrack. I would love to hear oh, if, we're yeah. if we're doing these bands that are from that era. It's my one of my most underrated bands of all time. I've Justin Courtney Pierre, unbelievable songwriter. I love that band. I need to see them live. Um, I want a new J. Cole album. That's because offseason was unbelievable. And he's got like, in his words, two albums left in his career. Bullshit. Um, but he's been on fire doing amazing uh, two features. albums left, but 35 mixtapes, you know. Exactly. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the comeback, exactly. Um, and then Kenny, cover your ears for a second. Do it. I want to see if it's a good cover your ears. I want a new John Mayer album. I didn't like Sob Rock at all. Um, I thought it was really it was a cool period piece to do the 80s. Exactly. Get the fuck out of here. Um, I, I, I want a new John Mayer album and I want to see if he like deviates and does something weird the way he did with Born and Raised in Paradise Valley and stuff like that. So I'd be interested to see where he goes next, especially with Dead and Company disbanding. But don't kill yourself, Kenny. Um, Dante, your artist you most want to hear new music from next year. I mean, you said uh... Art and Garrick's. <laughs> <laughs> you said lcd sound system and i mean that just got my pants moving so <laughs> his penis they, is are, hard, dude. they are the fucking best man like, yep. they could drop a new album slash go on tour it would make my whole year i think lcd is top 10 for me all time i think <clears throat> all my friends is my favorite song of all time it's fucking like, that I, whole and when you did the live show is the best live show I may have ever seen. Yeah. It's fucking nothing, nothing else like it. That's a, song, that's a song that like, that's a movie. All my friends is, is a literal like coming of age movie in six minutes. And if I'm, I'll bring this back up again. If I'm geek out enough pre-workout and I'm running and that mm -hmm. song comes on, I will almost cry on a treadmill. I'm not lying. Like <laughs> we love a gray-haired, out of shape old guy making fucking funky ass tunes. Just a fat loser on stage. I feel fat. like Colin doing pre-workout and then like doing pull-ups to Radiohead or something. It's like <laughs> if you could summarize what Barstool backstage is, it's that. It's like this. It's the weirdest fucking combo of shit. Just, that's kind of cool. <laughs> just a weird kind of douchey bro who, at the same time, will pontificate about the songwriting structure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's me in a nutshell dude 
So I go into songwriting sessions with people like this guy's going to talk about fucking Eagles secondary from 2017 and how it <laughs> impacts what we're doing today. And I'm like, have you guys ever thought about the way that McCartney really used to layer his harmonies? They're like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Welcome to my brain. Uh, Robbie, what are you looking forward to in 2024? So I mentioned Neck Deep and Green Day are both putting out an album on the same day next month. Um, but also yesterday we got a random tease from Liam Gallagher, you know, my guy and John Squire. And the rumor is that Liam Gallagher and John Squire of the Stone Roses have recorded an album together. What? It's like a collab album coming out next year. First single and music video, I think, is rumored to be coming out first week of January. John Squire's written some of the dirtiest, nastiest guitar riffs of all time. So that sounds amazing to me. Damn, that's like not what anybody asked for, because all they want is Oasis to get back together. It's like Noel's like, hey, listen. You're never going to get Oasis. But here's this weird 90s super group from England. Let's do that. I'd be in yeah. are you talking I about think... Are you talking about Squire is in The Stroke? Yeah. No, that's Billy Squire. That's Billy, Billy Squire. No, no, no. Billy Squire. Billy Squire. I Squire. want that album, though. Give me, give me, <laughs> that, give me Oasis yeah. slash Billy Squire. Just watch fucking Billy Madison pull up in a uh, fucking T-top. Yeah. I think I'm... it's Liam basically being like, if Noel won't get back together with me, I'll make a band with his idol. That's awesome. And dude, that is that is like every English person's dream because the Stone Roses are like fucking gods in England. Yeah. They never really really inspired Oasis like as much as the Beatles did, I think. Yeah. Even though the Oasis is always the Beatles knockoff, whatever. They're also kind of a Stone Roses knockoff. 100 percent They just did it better than them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> really what it is. You know we're getting a new Red Man record in 2024? No, that's fire though. Yo. Dude, has anybody ever had a better MTV Cribs than Redman? <laughs> Do you remember Chris Pontius? Shaq was good. Shaq was really good. <laughs> Shaq was good. The Chris Pontius one where he it was just like a suburb, like a like an old truck. <laughs> that was that was great. I want Cribs to come back, but I feel like it would be so lame nowadays. Oh, yeah. I think it did. Yeah, it's back currently. Yeah, and it is lame. I want room. I want my streaming camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here, here's my 13 ring lights so I can do my vlogs. Um, <laughs> no, Room Raiders is the greatest TV show on MTV in history where they would just pull people yeah. into a van and then a girl would walk in and be like, this guy's room's really messy. Oh, no, here's a giant box of porn. Yeah. Who would have known? <laughs> is this a handgun? What are we doing here? <laughs> what are these anal beads doing? <laughs> Those aren't mine. Yeah, Room Raiders is the best. Um, anything else to cap off 2023? Is there any like one word answers to what 2023 was? Music. Um. <laughs> Robbie, I think that's the only Robbie, I think that's the only word that we can't use. Music was not the one thing I would think about in 2023. Yeah. Um hey, look what I thought festivals were good in 2023. Good point. Very yeah. good point. Very like a lot point. of festival lineups you see, and it's like, I don't know anyone on this. People complain about the lineups. I thought there were a lot of good festivals. Oh, a lot of good festivals, a lot of good lineups, a lot of good tours, even just headlines. Yeah. yeah. A lot of good runs. Oh, oh we didn't mention oh, the word Taylor Swift once. Nice. That was pretty cool. Well, now you well, did. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> but um, we forgot to mention, remember when Frank Ocean fucked up Coachella? Oh, yeah. Didn't that you, was stepped in? Kanye? No, Frank. Frank like wanted to build an ice rink on the stage, and then I the remember, last but minute, who stepped in for him. Was it just Blink took over his spot? Blink or took something? over his spot the first weekend. Yeah. The second weekend, he did it, uh, and just did it. It was a terrible set, and people got really, really mad. So that was just a wild thing that happened. Um, no, I'm excited. 
I'm excited for 2024, regardless of what I just said. And look at the bright side. At least 2023 was the last year before the great American Civil War of the 2024 election that is what's going to happen. So enjoy it while we can, boys, before we're all in our underground Kanye bunkers. Who's running uh, this year? Who the fuck knows, dude? <laughs> I don't think either of them should run. They're both super old. So, you know, that'd be a strenuous activity. Listen to me. Joey Bags should not be running. And uh, old Donnie J, he already had his turn. And uh, we see how that went. RFK 2024. Let's go. Let's get weird. Let's get real weird. Vaccines are turning all the fish gay. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> let's just let's go full in, dude. I don't give a fuck. Um, I don't think we have to go any further. I think that was enough. Let's end the year on the Modest Yahoo interview. God, that's a fucking weird way to go into a great interview. Um, 2024 is going to be a great year for us. I'm really excited for the podcast. We have some really great things in the works. Huge guests to start the year off. Um, just some really cool, I guess, business opportunities that could be materializing. I don't know, dude. I'm fucking pumped. Guys, how do Hell we yeah. feel? Pumped. Over I mean, under 10 episodes that White Sox Dave is on in 2024. Under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smashing them over, but he's gonna have a hard out on all of them. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you, but if you add <laughs> up all the time that Dave's been on the podcast, it'll equal less than 10 episodes. Not White Sox yeah. Dave anymore, he's hard out Dave, hard out Dave, hard, hard out. on Dave. Um, all right, great year, boys. Uh, let's cap it off with our interview the legend, Modest Yahoo. You know, we'll just start there. I'm not even doing an intro. We have Modest Yahoo here. Great episode. Very excited for this. We're starting by talking about how bad the Miami airport is. And this is a very niche conversation. But it's one of the shittiest airports in the world. And as musicians, we've been to a bunch of different airports. Where would you put Miami in your top 10? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like flying in or out of Miami in particular. But for the Fort Lauderdale airport, I have, uh, I have like good memories. Because as a kid, we would come down winter break to see my grandparents and fly in mm. Fort Lauderdale airport. So I remember that feeling of getting off the plane, you know, getting out of the, the baggage claim or whatever, and like the hot air hitting you. And so I had nostalgia from from that airport. So yeah. like Fort Lauderdale was one of the first places I ever went that wasn't Philadelphia. I feel like je- like we never vacationed anywhere. Yeah. When I was in college, we went to Fort Lauderdale. Had a great time, other than the fact that I got roofied. But I won't get into that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Me and my wife. Long story. We both got roofied. She will not substantiate oh, wow. that that's what happened, but I absolutely know that is what happened. Because we, if we ask her, is she just going to say that you drank too much? <laughs> Probably. And you acted dude. like an asshole. Is that is that actually yeah. no? Story what happened? What happened was we woke up like six hours after our flight was supposed to be, and I was so out of it, I signed up for a credit card in the airport. You tell me where I was, brother. <laughs> oh, that's how you start a wow. podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Modest Yahoo, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I actually had a drink on the on the plane, and also I'm thinking about applying for a JetBlue uh, card. <laughs> Hell yeah, so brother. don't feel so don't feel so alone there. He actually has it with him right now. Yes. Oh man, the airport credit card scheme is just waiting for drunk and hungover people to come and try and make shit happen. That's I I did it. And I closed the I closed the credit card shortly after. Kenny, don't act like you're too high and muddy and act like you never signed up for an airport credit card. I dude, I've given myself a roofie and signed up for multiple credit cards. <laughs> oh my god, this is not how I thought we were gonna start, but I like this. Um, dude, new songs just came. Fool's Gold is fucking fantastic, by the way. Let's just start there. Yeah. I really, I really, really Thank like you. the new single. Thank you. Thanks so much. As far as like where you are now and the fact that it's been 
20 years, which is kind of fucking incredible to think about. Did you expect to still be like kind of doing new things, reinventing yourself 20 years ago when like King Without a Crown came out? Like, do you think you'd still be at it? Yeah, for sure. I think like King Without a Crown is a complete like, you know, mishmash of all these different things, you know? So to me, uh, just the concept genre, um, I've never been a purist about different genres. Like from the time I was a kid, it was always about um, finding like my passion in different in different genres and like envisioning how like different things could blend together. So I think I've always I've always related to music in that sense, like uh, in that way uh, where um, I see it as like something that's kind of organic, like moving, not something to be like stuck uh, in one place. You know, we we talk about that a lot on this podcast in terms of how streaming has affected what kids are listening to in terms of being locked into one genre. And I'd say as much as we complain about streaming and the business and all that shit these days, that is one thing that I feel feels more open is kids these days don't feel locked to any genre because it's a playlist world. Like they'll listen to literally anything at any time. And that's, I guess the one silver lining of, of what's going on now in terms of streaming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that was going on even when, when, when I was a kid, you know, like mixing, um, like the artists like that I was being influenced by were mixing hip hop and reggae music to make this flavor of dance hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, dance hall was a combination of, you know, other types of music, right. And hip hop came from somewhere. So it's just a blending of sounds, you know, this is, this is just like the way I've always approached it, you know, mixing different things. It made me think about kind of like kind of an, an older version of the music industry when it, genre was a little more important. It's how do you market yourself? How can a label push you as one thing? And coming out when you came out and doing what you were doing, did you ever get pushback from a label or anybody above you to be like, hey, we need to really zone into one thing here, maybe be more reggae, be more hip hop? Like, was there ever anybody trying to rein you in in that? Yeah, people people definitely, because of the nature of what I do, there was definitely, um, always, people have always had some opinions about it. And then sometimes I've listened, sometimes I haven't, sometimes it's worked out well, sometimes it hasn't. I mean... Um, my first album that I made, um, I had recorded like three demos, like one in Philly, bro, actually. Yo, what's uh, King go? Without a Crown. Yeah, King Without a Crown closed my eyes in another song called God No Water. I had gone down to Philly on a Friday when I could get off from Yeshiva. I stayed with the rabbi, Rabbi Schmidt and his family, like in Philly, like in right in I don't I don't know what that area is, but where it's like, you know, it's in town, it's in the town. And, um and um yeah and I, and I was making like exactly that i was making the music that i wanted to hear that no one else was and it was like combining this whole jewish thing and this reggae thing and then hip-hop and i had made those and um when i played them for for the first guy who kind of like was interested in making a record with me his name's Daniel Seliger, and he worked at Raucous Records in the city, a Jewish guy, but who, like, was afraid to wear his yarmulke because, like, most deaf and, you know, all those guys were there. So, like, and then <laughs> he came and he saw me at the Chelsea Shore on, on Lagba Omer, and someone lit a fire in the courtyard, and the fire trucks came. But I only had three songs. And there was, from the get-go, there was, like, a live energy thing that was, like, that was the gravitational thing, which is funny that Live at Stubbs is, like, the big record, you know? Yeah. So kind of worked out that, that way, but... Um, 
but so yeah in that initial stage was like it was like he knew i could i loved reggae and then i did reggae but i was leaning into hip-hop too and then also into rock like you know even like guitar solos on live at stubs or whatever and he was definitely like yo i've always had a dream to make a roots a roots reggae um like biblical jewish record that like incorporates roots reggae and i was like yeah fuck i'm on board let's go so that first record shake off the dust is like roots you know what i mean that's like a roots reggae album for the most part and then um you know the first a and r who found me was like bro that record is cool but epic like oh it wasn't epic it was the it was like the smaller label there um or records at the time i think it was like we don't want to put out a record like a roots reggae record you know we want to put out what your live shows like. We want to capture your live energy and put that out. So then they release live and stuff. So sometimes record executives and stuff like that or people who give advice to you will be like, it's not a bad idea. And I've always I've always been open, like not too not too tight about like mm-hmm. not taking advice from people. At the same time, like in at the end of the day, I've had times where I've had to really fight for what I want and I've gotten dropped or had uh like I had a dude, this one dude Michael Kaplan is his name. Um, just literally decided to not pay me like for a record for seven years, and just like promised, uh, promised to uh, to pay me back for all my money spent on marketing, and just never did. And I'm pretty sure the reason is because when we went on Jimmy Kimmel, they wanted me to play a song called Champion, and I decided I wanted to play Surrender, and I was just like, "This is what I'm doing." You Little know? Elvis so Costello I, you know, SNL movement right there. Yeah, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that had had something to do with it. So. I don't think it matters what song you played. Guy probably should have paid you. Yeah, <laughs> it matters. Fucking everything, you know what I mean? Good and that's a whole nother story. Ain't I mean, that's a whole nother story. I love that you just aired him out yeah. and yeah, drop the name. Let's go. Yeah. First and last. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I mean, address, dude. Let's go. But no, man, it's funny. You to me, I remember I found King without a crown on LimeWire. Like it was just a LimeWire download back in the day. Sorry for stealing speaking, your music. Speaking, by the yeah, way. speaking of not paying people. Sorry <laughs> for stealing your music, by the way. But I remember then the next thing I saw was I didn't know what you looked like. I didn't know who you were. And then I saw you on uh it was David Letterman did King Without a Crown. And it was you, this Jewish dude, doing reggae roots hip hop with fucking nasty guitar solos and i remember being like just a kid being like what the fuck is this and i've been a fan since man so obviously doing your own thing is always work for you and it's continuing to work now yeah you also got to listen to people sometimes too sometimes sometimes, sometimes. well it's also you, you don't gotta have be around to. the you, you don't gotta be around to, the right people out. it can work out for you like for example i made this record called light that has one day on it and i made it with david khan Mm-hmm. And um, it was all based on the story called The Seven Beggars, which is a Rabbi Nachman story. And it was very, very deep and spiritual. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of the records stayed on that on that album. But um, we cu- ended up cutting like the four main songs in order to make room for more songs because Epic had hired this woman named Amanda Ghost. She wrote. You're, I'm be- you're beautiful, you know that yeah, one, or, James I'm Blake. beautiful or some shit. Remember that song? Yeah. James Blunt. Yeah, yeah. James Blunt. Yeah, she wrote that song, and it was like James Blunt. I think it, I think it was one of a, 
little fun fact, him both played a festival at Auschwitz together. Isn't that weird? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, it's true. Holy it's shit. True. Um, but, but yeah, she, she, we handed in that record and she was like, yeah, David Kahn did what he always does. He overproduced the fuck out of this record. You have no hits on this record. You need to go back in and, and write a hit. And like a lot of artists would be like, yo, this is, this is a whole deep record for me. I'm not going to do that, you know? And I was like, all right, I'll write a hit. And I was like, you, um, you know, there's this artist I've been on tour with. His name is Kanon from Toronto or some shit. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah. he has this song. I was just on tour with him and he sings it every night. It's called Waving Flag. It was before, I think he was even picked up by a label maybe. And like, I was like, that song is a hit. He played me something that he had like recorded. Find out for me who produced and who, who co-wrote that song. So she's like, well, it just so happens that the person who did that, the producer group that did that, is managed by the A&R that I'm bringing in to run your new project. So go out to LA. And, and I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. Like, it's not gonna hurt me to go try to like, record labels funding it. I don't have to pay anything up front or whatever. I'll go, I'll go out there and do it. So I go out there, I go, I write this song with these three guys that are in a, in a room. One of them the whole time is like complaining that he can't get a record deal. And he's just like, he's really talented and he does things mad fast. He's got great advice, but he's like, he keeps leaving to go like meet with labels and he keep coming back all disappointed. And he, at one point he's even like, Modest Yow, how the fuck did you get a record deal? You know? <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so we, we, we wrote One Day, right? That's my biggest song. You know, that, 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 that song has done like really well for me. And you know who that dude was or is? Who? Fucking Bruno Mars. Shut the fuck Bruno up. Bruno fucking Mars. No I swear to God. You Wait, are you, saying, are you saying the Canon guy or different guy? No, the guy who co-wrote One Day with me and produced it. Yeah, who was also Bruno Mars? Who also co-wrote it? Who also co-wrote and produced Canon's song "Waving Flag"? Yeah, you know what's yeah. trippy too? It's like um, One Day for me, my modest Yahoo adventure started NBA Two K Ten. The fucking video game, which is an interesting yeah. way to find. And I found a lot of new bands and new music that way. And, like, when I hear that yeah. song, it takes me back yeah. to that, like, on my tour bus, fucking playing that game and, and fucking listening to that song and fucking downloading it. And, like, it's just interesting to, to like, find music. Yeah. Dude, there's no better connection for a, a musician than via a video game for, like, a fan that, like... I've never seen people if they if it clicks with them in a video game they're like fans for life more than almost anything. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Brands yeah. 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 take me out. Yeah. Big time. Video games are deep. They get into like this deep into the psyche of children or, yeah. or adults, whoever. <laughs> you know what I mean? When the I'm, shit that you hear playing, it's like affects you. You have like an emotional connection to it. Like even the video games we played on Nintendo as kids, like you hear those those little like things again and you get oh, like yeah. this weird feelings and stuff you, you know, know it's a trip so i've had many occasions making records for like anti-flag or whatever random bands and and of all the people to stop by to hear the record a lot of times it's ea sports or activision or whatever like they're like yo ea's coming in today you're like oh that's interesting i didn't know that was a thing yeah yeah Dude, i've always great. that I, that bruno mars story is so great because it ties in with a lot of people don't know his origin story either and how his label tried to put him in a box and make him this, you know, Latin musician. 
think his name's Peter. His real name's Peter Hernandez. And I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. And right his at the last minute he said, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna do my own thing. And uh I think he was on the last leg of his of his deal and he trusted in himself. But that's funny. What what year was that? Do you remember when you guys did that together? That had to be in probably like two thousand and nine, maybe. Yeah. I'd like to I think, think that, it- Oh wait, no, 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 no. Before that, I'm sorry. That record came out. That light record came out. Did it come out 2010? Yeah, so that was before it came out. So probably like a year before that. Yeah. 2008, maybe something like that. I like to think this is when Bruno Mars was still doing cocaine. He's just sitting there yelling at Modest Yahoo going, why the fuck do you have a record deal, dude? I love that. (laughs) It's funny. I've always related the Canon song. And I I, I never knew that they were produced by Jesus, dude. That's fucking insane. Yeah, he's pro- prolific. Yeah. Do you, have you bumped into him since? And has he apologized for asking why you had a record deal? Why he didn't? No, 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 no. I've, I've not bumped into him. And um, but uh, no, I mean, he it was cool. It wasn't like it wasn't like a weird thing. Or yeah, of course not. It was. Cool. No, yeah. I mean, dude, it, it's just I it's, did those. They're talented. I did leave to go get dinner. And it, I had to eat. I was re- very religious. And so I went to go kosher. It's like L.A. It's like the other side of town. I was in traffic. And then it's like a kosher restaurant. So God knows when the food comes out. And this, that, <laughs> the other thing. And um, by the time I got back to the studio, the song was pretty much rewritten. Like m- m- pretty much like the lyric I have on there is like blood drenched pavement. That's me. oh my god yeah as as deep and spiritual as all your lyrics are your biggest song has you put thrown in one piece of one piece of yourself yeah no yeah but it was a vision for sure i definitely had a vision of what i was looking for i was able to express that to to bruno and philip and uh this other dude i guess this he's not a kid anymore he's he's probably a grown-ass man um but the engineer definitely got a little bit too. So that was can nice. I, can I say too that like you, you talked about like, hey, go to LA, see what happens. And you're like, you know, fuck it, whatever. There's so many up and coming bands that I work with that I try to propound upon them that of like, what's the worst that can happen? Go write a song, go see what happens, what comes out of it. And you just, you never know, you know, and that's, that's great. Yeah. I take the David Lynch approach to your question, Kenny. What's the worst that could happen? Like, really bad, bad, bad shit. (laughs) (laughs) You could be attacked by a demon on fucking Sunset and Gower and end up, you know, living in the... Look, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. You get a good movie. I just had one of the worst co-writes of my fucking career last weekend. So, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You fucking hate (laughs) your job now. (laughs) There's nothing more awkward than a bad co-write. Just to sit there in oh, silence God. while the you other person is. I had to ask this band, "What the fuck am I doing here?" You know. What I mean? Did you say it out loud? Did you say oh, what the fuck am I doing? Out loud. I was like, "Why don't y'all go home and figure it out then?" You know what I mean. Many times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All good. It happened. Do you do you do a lot of co-writing? Modest. Ah, uh, actually, on this last record, I did. I did. I did. Um, not typically. Usually, I've locked in with like one producer for a record. Uh, like someone I'm either close with, like the Akeda Records, Stu Brooks, my friend, yeah. produced pretty that record, or Joe Hamilton produced for us uh, some things. Um, 
David or Kojak from the Dr. Luke camp. He produced the Spark Seeker record and it was just me and him for the most part. Um, but this last record, uh, did the song camp. You guys yeah. know about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I did like, I did co-writes for a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I listened to beat packs for days, like thousands and thousands of things. Yeah. And then I did these sessions where, you know, it would be like six other dudes that do what I do on zoom. Yeah. Everyone yeah. prepared with their shit. Yeah. And then we would just listen through and be like, take the best shit. And uh, it was it was pretty awesome experience. And then sometimes it would be like in New York at my crib and it would be like five, five people. And everyone one day, one person's engineering one day, someone yeah. else's. Yeah. Everyone's total collaborative process uh, with multiple people in the room doing similar things to what I do. So that was new for me because in the past, it's like, all right. Work with someone who engineers or producers or musician or different musicians or someone who's got an expertise in something that that I don't. But yeah. this was it was fun and I think it produced like some really good work, like some really fresh stuff. That's really cool. and I definitely had a vision for what I was going for. You know, I've listening, yeah, that's listening cool. to a lot of Afro pop. So that's that's kind of what over the last few years, maybe the last four years, has been primarily what I've been listening. So that's kind of the direction I wanted to go the beats I chose. And then sometimes like you want, like I, I have a song where one, a dude, like we all had dope shit and one dude uh, it played his shit. And I was just like, the fucking day's over gentlemen. That's what we're using. Like, <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, here's a feature on my song too, you know, like let's go. Like that, it was that good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Those those songs. And then other times, yeah, where it doesn't work, and you're like zooming yeah. with someone, and you're just like, what the fuck, like, you know. But I, you know, being in a room with people is cool. I think, you know, you know, usually it's nice. I like that. I like being in person. That's usually better. But I definitely came up with some dope shit with people through Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. You bring up the Afro pop world because I feel like that's like Fool's Gold has that element to it. But like people like Thames and now Tyla out of South Africa, like that Afro pop world is really starting to bleed into the American mainstream. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I've been when I was like during COVID and I wasn't touring and I started like losing my mind because I had like little babies. I have teenagers, too, but I had like babies during COVID and um yeah, I was just starting to I was starting to flip out, so I just set up the drums that I have, like, and I just started playing along to Afro pop, like loud every day, just playing drums to Afro pop, and I just fell in love with it. I'm like, you have a you have a son that plays music too and tours with you, right? Or has? Yeah, how's, yeah, how's... I have two sons that do. Yeah, we always my have oldest third... one. Oh, sorry. We uh, we 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 talk to so many artists who also have kids who are up and playing music. And one of the questions I always have to ask is like, are they receptive to your advice? Because sometimes you know, like some kids want to do their own thing, or, or oh, yeah. try to not give advice. Or like, how does that work? What's that dynamic? It's like my it's one of my favorite parts of being a parent so far. It's like you shift roles. Sometimes it's like friend or disciplinarian or these different stuff, whatever. But um being a coach is fucking fun yeah i love it and especially if your boys are into what you're into and if they're like receptive and both my boys like know i think i feel like they both have like a deep respect and like love for what i do mm. and they totally have their 
their own sounds. One's 18, one is 17. They have their own sound, very different from mine. Um, But like, yeah, they definitely, they definitely, it's been a, it's been like a lot of fun. This is just like a, it's such a cool opportunity to be. I mean, a lot of teenagers, like you get to a certain point with your parents, you're like, oh, they don't understand me or we we can't really relate. So to have have something that like is the thing that I do, you know, and they love it and they want to do it too, is like it's the best. It's yeah, the best. That's great. it's probably like the I best blessing. I love hearing all that stuff. You guys saw that um, Rome officially dropped out of Sublime and Jacob Noel's taken over in 2024. I saw that. No, I didn't see that. I watched all those videos of his love that live show. It's fucking great, man. I, I love just like I'm seeing the like lineage from parent to child and music and stuff it's always something that's really interesting to me i've got two young twins with my luck they won't even want to play a single instrument but we'll see i was gonna say was there ever a moment where you tried to stray your boys away from the music industry being like guys this is some wild shit nope i was like drop out of high school and come on tour with me let's yes go. i love that let's go i mean my, my younger lucky- son my younger son, Shalom, I was like, all right, I did this with your older brother. I don't know that bringing, bringing him on tour is like the best, necessarily the best thing for his career. So I'm like, get your GED and move to Nashville and intern at the record company where I'm releasing music if they'll take you and just live down there and, and like live with a family and just learn about the record business and try to get in as many sessions as can. Exactly. And he's like fucking gung-ho, let's go. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, there's a lot of different ways of doing it, but I, I've been like, yeah, go for it. And maybe I'll be wrong, you know, but I, to me, it's like, to me, it's like you, it's, if you, sh- if you have a talent, you have a dream and you have a real true like love for something, then like you need to go for it. And if you, if you, if you don't accomplish what you are going for, there's a million other like directions and like the whole concept that you need to like be dug into something in debt in college, like by the time you're like 22 with like a whole profession that's going to be your profession for the rest of your life, I think is kind of weird, right? Great. No, absolutely. Really fucked up, man. There's I, a- I'd, rather my, I'd rather my boys go. I'd rather my boys go for it hard for the next five years. They're 18 and 17 and then be 24 years old and be like, all right, I'm going back to school for something else or I'm like, you know, whatever. 100%. It's quite a sharp cutoff. My parents gave me till I was like 37. Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, my dad was a musician. My brothers and I were all musicians. And like, I think back on it now that I've got a kid, like they were very, very f- not forgiving. Cause that's the wrong word. Like it has a negative connotation to it, but it's like, they just kept at it. They didn't, there was no like, Oh, now's the time when you got to do this, that, and the other, because they knew our heart was in it. As long as we were kind of, working and trying they, they supported us and looking back now you realize how it's kind of crazy not a lot of parents did that or do that you know that was the same with, same with <laughs> very mine. rare that was the same with mine my extended family like everybody outside of my parents told me i was going to be their lawn man and their trash guy and all this shit and then my parents <laughs> were the ones packing up my drums in the sedan and taking me to all the rehearsals and you know like that, i everybody, everybody's like how did you do it how did you become sound like dude really supportive parents was fucking everything you know i'm 32 and i get a text from my mom every day that says when is that new song coming out my mom's a fucking g <laughs> dude my mom's a <laughs> That's great. Did anyone else go to college here, or am I the only? No, oh, I went to call. I went to I college. Went to college. I went for recording. I dropped out. Yeah. So it's funny. I'm I... actually. I'm doing this. I'm doing this blog right now on Barstool. Have you guys seen that clip that went viral on over the weekend? That Cornell kid who got denied 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And I want to, the way I'm framing it is, I want to tell this kid, fuck college, especially nowadays with how just insane tuition is, mm. everything else, how hard it is to land a job with pretty much any degree you come out and graduate with. And thinking back, like, do you ever think back what, how much further along in your career you'd be if had you just saved that money that you wasted on college and spent that time doing what you're at, you're doing now, essentially. I think about that all the time. Yeah. And I wouldn't be getting emails from Nelnet every fucking month. to remind me to pay all that fucking money. Dude. Oh my God. We're out here possibly destroying the youth of America. And I don't even give a shit. Fuck college. College is stupid. Drop out. Go on tour with modest Yahoo. That's the fucking, <laughs> yeah. that's, the, I mean, you could, that's what needs to be done. You could buy a dope ass tour bus for the price of college. Yeah, hell yeah, you could. Hell yeah, you could. Yeah, anything you start not a, have to pay, you and start not a have business pay, and not have to pay to rent the tour bus on tour, which is like you know prices doubled after COVID. Like that could be the difference in your career. It's forty grand to rent a tour bus for fucking six weeks. You know, what I, mean? I mean, dude, it's like we had Wheeler Walker Jr. on, and he yeah. was saying he's not touring next year because basically for tour bus you have to like rent it for the whole year now. And then you have to sublet the tour bus to other musicians. That's how you get your tour bus now. Wow. That's fucking crazy. You know how many tour buses I've split, including with fucking Johnny Conco's right here? <laughs> Dude, Dude. I'd, be in, I'd be in multiple Priuses. I'd be like, fuck this shit. Just throw everything into four Priuses and let's move, dude. Let's live it raw. I don't have that youthful, I don't have that youthful uh, forgiveness anymore, Colin. Like, once, I've, once we went to a bus... I'm like, I can't go back. Yeah. I can't do a sprinter again. And I know that makes Not me a bitch, back. but it's like, fuck it. It's, 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 it's too nice versus got, doing the sprinter. To, once I got to two buses, man, that, that diva vibe really started taking. Fuck <laughs> you. All I've ever done is tour in SUVs. You could suck my bird, dude. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I mean, so you're, you've been obviously a touring machine throughout your career. Like, how much of a shock was it to not be able to get out on the road during COVID and how good did it feel when you got back out? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had been like going for a long time and kept saying, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to chill out and did it for, for like 15 years, even like as the shows got smaller and smaller or whatever, you know, even like I got like really into improvisation. I like got a band of like jazz musicians basically who could play reggae or rock or, or whatever. And I stopped playing my songs or like mishmashing them all together and like not playing one day or came without a crown. And that went on for like some time. And like I saw my whole crowd like basically like walk away in the middle of shows and stuff. Um, but I didn't give a fuck. I just kept touring. I kept touring. As long as I could make money, I was on the road. And so that's what I did until about like six months before COVID. And I was like, finally took a break. So I was like, took my break, then hit, had two years of COVID and then got hit with that tour bus thing. And I was just like, actually couldn't afford to be on the road. And I'll take a sprinter for a few shows, like a week or something like that. But like, yeah. I got a new family and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, my family's coming with me. We're not, I'm not taking a one and a three-year-old in a, in a sprinter for like eight weeks. So I'm pretty sure I like lost a shit ton of money on that tour worth it and switch management hired someone good yeah and like hired a good manager and basically was just like uh 
we got to get creative and figure shit out. And he got one of the like band. Other- no, oh, <laughs> he'll pop back in. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll pop back in, dude. He's the man, dude. Did you Here know that Ezra Miller is his drummer? No, or at least yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm back. Yo, welcome oh, back, hey buddy. We cut out there for a second, but uh, basically, you got like this idea is like, all right, I managed this other band. They're like up and coming young guys. So just to be on the road, opening up for you, get a few bucks from like the promoter or whatever, you don't have to pay for it and they'll play for you for free, you know, and they'll drive themselves. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's fucking go. And I made money on my last tour. And now I'm kind of doing a combination. Like I brought back a couple of guys and still got like a couple of guys that are, you know, from that, from that band that are going to like, help you know until i can like figure out how to get you know more people at the shows release more music whatever it's like you gotta figure out how how you're gonna do what you're gonna do but to answer your question um it fucking felt great bro (laughs) just to go anywhere right just to eat some other fucking food to be on stage like to remember that you're a singer that people like you and shit you're not just some weird dude (laughs) <laughs> um, it's like you get get halfway through kansas and you eat like the shitty food with gratitude and you're like it's so great to be yeah, back so out eating different. shitty food in the middle of america <laughs> eating the local yeah remember like the Subway. first fucking the first fucking rest stop you pull over at at like six in the morning yeah. and Yo. you're just like ah yeah <laughs> gas station air in the middle of america i miss you I'm gonna go take a yeah, shit at Bucky's. Yeah. All that shit. I'll, yeah. I wanted good. to ask great. if we yeah. if we can just go That's back a little bit. Thing. Oh, sorry. The one uh, thing you I said when you bagging my bagging my shits in the tour bus. That's <laughs> the one thing <laughs> I did. Tour is the yeah, best. We, we are the fucking weirdest people alive. Like that is like a, a core memory. It's like I remember <laughs> the first time being on tour and going to a type of gas station or rest stop that I had never seen before. Didn't know I existed. I didn't know what a fucking flying J was. I was like, what is this? What's their candy aisle look like? What kind of taquitos do you have? Put in some quarters, take a shower. I remember one time we had a choice between a bus with We had a bus, uh, an option for a bus with a, what do they call it? A grinder, a shit grinder, so you can shit in the bus, or a shower. And we took the shower bus, which was tight. Oh, yeah. So you shit in the shower. That's the way you do it, right? Yeah, but the shower was like on for three seconds, off. On for three seconds, (laughs) off. You know what I mean? My favorite is three or four months into a tour. When you keep walking into the truck stop as if there's going to be something new down one of the aisles, like it's not going to be Oreos <laughs> and fucking Pringles. Camo hat. You, you know what I mean? Like you, you, something in your brain's like, maybe I should stop like, and check this, this one, one out. Like different. it's all the fucking same. Yeah, I like, I like, like when you walk in and they have a different selection of random knives for sale or like walking sticks. You know what I mean? Like the, the middle yeah. of America fucking rest stop is an interesting place, dude. Should do all my Christmas shop. Yeah, they got everything. Everything. Can I go back a little bit and ask a question? You said you 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 got really into improvisation. You took a jazz band out with you. What did you learn from that musically? And have you incorporated any of that into like the new stuff that you're doing? And like, what were the ups? What were the downside of that? It just being completely free improvised. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I I I mean, it's still my favorite way to play music. It's the only way that I was able to like continue to play as many shows as I was for like small audiences, barely make money and enjoy it and not go crazy Mm -hmm. and so to me like it was like the music first i guess and 
you know, my original guitar player, like we met at the new school. So I, I, my okay. original musicians I played with her from Manus from the jazz school. So, you know, he's an incredible improviser, just talented, um, guitar player. And I basically, at that, at that point I was like, okay, let's bring out your band. Like, who do you want to play with? And I know them all. I've played with them all. Jason Fraticelli is a bass player. And uh, we, we brought out a drummer and, and, and various keyboard players that are just incredible. One named Big Yuki or Jason Lindner, Rob Marsher. And um, we just, you know, it's still a huge part of my set. I would say like maybe 50% of the set. You know, I play, I play that, like I play the hits. I was able to like find as I got older the that original inspiration in those songs and like lock into it again. Thank God. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I play those songs and I play them with joy, you know, and like, I, I feel how it resonates with people. And I remember like singing one day, like the first time in the studio. And I try to like lock into that or, or, or I remember like writing King without a crown in Philly. I try to find the nostalgia for myself in those songs, but definitely where I like, what I love to do is just explore the music. And as a singer, that's a little strange. There aren't many like that I know that do that. I use beatboxing a lot. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big part of what like what I do. And then also just like a lot like I see it as kind of like putting the right people together, giving them like the music as a jump off point, and then almost kind of like getting out of the way, and then like adding in what I can. So like when they lay into some get into some kind of hip hop thing, like there I'm gonna spit some freestyle or some verse from something. Or if they're doing some reggae, then I'm going to sing over it, but not it being like the the focal point. More like it's not really soloing, and it's not really about the vocals. It's more about like the the vibe, the vibe yeah, feel, that we're creating. I feel like there's Miles Davis is that kind of thing. Like he's the focal point, he's the star, and like that's why people are there to see him. But he had exactly what you're saying. Like he wasn't in the way in a weird way. Like he's the fucking focus of all the attention, and yet he's out of the way, letting the band find what's right and then he comes in at the perfect moment so that's really kind of cool think, to hear that you have that similar approach i think all of us as musicians can also attest to the fact that there's something really special when you have full trust in your band mm. and the people around you because we've all i'm sure probably been in bands where even one person's not as great or whatever the fuck it is but when you have a band where all pieces of it you have full trust and confidence mm -hmm. in including your crew like we'd play like shitty shows on sticks blah, blah blah but you're like as long as bob's in front of house i don't give a shit let's go like having that trust yeah in your band and crew that's that's great yeah yeah absolutely and that that took like a long time and i i have like best friends in the world that are, are like the greatest players in the world you know that i've had to be like all right like you know i, I we're gonna have to i need a different type of player yeah. because you can't right. do this particular thing mm -hmm. and that's heartbreaking and it's hard or sometimes you try to combine things like you'll have like someone who does something and someone who does something else and i'm like all right let's see if we can all do this together and it doesn't it won't work you know and yeah so it's it's been a like a long process for me of like uh chemistry almost like mixing different pieces and parts together and then learning at myself as to like where do i stand in the in the middle of all that yep. like with the fans and interacting and, and and then my voice and what i'm doing with my voice and all of those different things yeah that's so sick i love that, I love that can stuff. i ask you a question kind of just about like i guess history here like within your music like when you were first coming up did you get any pushback on from like the reggae side of like your 
industry where you're people were like, oh, well, you're not, you know, you're not Jamaican. You're not, you know, you don't live in this culture. Like, did you ever get like a pushback from people being like, this is the, you shouldn't be here. Did you ever get that? A combination of things, but that wasn't the main thing. In terms of that, I'll tell you a quick story. I was in like Massachusetts. I want to say it was like, um, uh, where, where's UMass? What's that town? Am Amherst. And there was some kind of Rasta thing going on. I was super religious. It was like pre-Jimmy Kimmel and all that. Um, and it was like a mozi shot, a Saturday night. And someone, one of the rabbis there was cool or whatever. He was like, yo, there's this reggae thing happening at some bar. Let's go. And we went. And, um, you know, it was all Rastas. It was all um, black Rastas, not white Rastas. And and basically, band was there, and I, like, asked to get up on stage and, like, do my thing. And I did, and it was dope as fuck. And everyone was, like, hands down, this shit is dope. And there was, like, one chick there who was, like, eyeing me, comes over, and she's like, what does he know about Selassie? And literally, like, the elder, like, comes out, like, King David. You know what I'm mean? saying? So my whole take on that approach has always been that reggae music has borrowed like immensely from the Old Testament, mm. which was written right by Jewish people. That's our that's our Bible. And so there's in, in terms of my view on music and like the way things mix together, it's like inspiration, ideas, religion, music, culture. All of these things are interactive with each other. No one can claim and say, okay, this is mine because of this, right? Every like major reggae song from a certain period of time has direct quotes from King David's Psalms. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um that's cool. That I was always my approach. That. And I kind of like held on to that as as my centerpiece whenever I would feel like, oh, people are gonna come at me. But then what I found was like they were like super. A lot of people in the community were like in the reggae community were like really supportive because they understood like okay this is a this is a link this is like a crossover between this is good for reggae music like this is gonna help. So most people were like Luciano, Sizzla, Buju, Bonton, like all the people that I was like a fan of. Every every one of them I met and they were like yeah let's go you know yeah, I so think they were cool. I think there's a real um, important through line in a lot of that stuff and like genre blending or whatever the fuck you want to call it is just honesty. I, yes. You know what I mean? Like if it's honest, then even the people in the scene or whatever that they, they know, you know, I think it's honesty and purity and intention. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm, I'm here for this music. Cause I feel it. It's not because I want to be a part of like, it. Consumers can tell when shit is not honest. Yes. You know? Agreed. Machine gun Kelly. <laughs> that's where i stand yeah and i think like we all we all we all struggle with that like as artists with fans with songs and all of that like how to be honest how to be authentic you know and like you know like when you first came out like your shit was probably as authentic as it could be and people like respond to that and then how do you continue like that's this ep hold the fire that's the concept behind it is like how do you have stamina and continue to be authentic, to not to not fold under different pressures, especially with social media and comments. If you read comments, which yeah, and yeah. Um, then like um, you know, you'll start to get uh, like all these different weird versions of what people think you are, and you'll start to play into them and have insecurities and and all that. So I went through that like big time, um, and got to a point where I like completely ignored social media, and then came around and was like, all right, yo. 
I don't have to read comments. Like I can post whatever the fuck I want. Yep. And like literally people can comment all day on it and I'm just not going to read them. And my wife, she can read them if she wants. And if there's something good, like someone wants to send me a fucking sweatshirt or something like, you'll, you know, she'll DM <laughs> them back or whatever. But um, <laughs> basically it's like, don't fucking read your comments. Like you'll post your shit. But anyway, that's a side note. But yeah, I think like the authenticity thing is something that that is important, like moving forward in. Oh. oh no, that was fantastic! Yeah, he's coming back. I know he is. Of course he is. I love Zoom, dude. I want to come back. I'm sorry, I hope that's not my phone. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're you're good. If you could, you were talking about you know the authenticity and ignoring comments. Mm. It was just so good. If you could go back and wrap that up, <laughs> you can try to edit that together. We'll edit everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh but how did you get to the point where to, uh, how did I, you get to the point where you were comfortable ignoring all that bullshit and just you know doing what you want to do? Social media. I mean, that's a good question. I think I I think I like having a big break from it for like a long period of time and then coming back into it. And then it's like, it's like, a, it's like a drug, like comments are like a drug. It's like a bad drug. It's like Coke or something. It's like, it's something like, why are you doing it? Why are you reading them? Why? Because for one of two reasons, because you want to feel good from what other people are saying. So you're looking for like reassurance from people or deep down, you want people to tell you that you're actually not being authentic, that you're actually full of shit because you feel that about yourself. So you'll ignore all the positive comments and just like focus in on the negative ones because that's really what you're looking for because you're really like, see, I told you, you're just like, you know, your your music sucks or your voice sucks or whatever that people are saying. So, I mean, I just came to this point. I'm just like, yo, I'm just like, and then people are like DMing me like, I'm sorry, Modest. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, people really hate you online. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, like, cool. Like, that's fucking awesome. I love that I'm, that I'm completely unaware that I'm going to keep doing exactly what the fuck I've been doing. Brother, <laughs> I don't know. I brother, think I it's know. kind of like a human thing that most people actually don't realize how addicted they are to feeling negative about themselves. Oh, yeah. And it's it's an identification that occurs like at a at a very very profound and deep level and it's governs most of our life is identification with negativity and it's a very hard thing to step away from because you keep saying well this kind of hurts this negativity but secretly you're kind of just like taking another bite of it going mm. it's like no, if you took it if, yeah. if you took if you took that away from me what would i be left with and that emptiness <laughs> is more frightening than the negativity Perhaps I think that might be one of the reasons that it's hard to walk away from or to detach from. I, I have a business proposal for the two of you. So you guys know about like uh, in sports, there's like sports psychologists. You two should open a practice for artists and musicians dealing with social media shit. I'm not even joking. You guys would smash. Dude. You wouldn't have to tour anymore. You'd be killing it. I don't want Let's the go. liability of having a wrong opinion because I know that 99% of mine are wrong. And if you start calling it therapy, then it starts getting into like some uh, shaky legal area. Uh, how about we just talk shit on a podcast and uh, call it a day? <laughs> Modest, I have, I have a question. I, I, when, when Kenny told us we were going to have you on, I was you know so excited, obviously. Um, 
been following you for, you know, 20 years now, but I've really looked up to you as not just a musician, but, you know, this voice for, you know, uh, minority group, I, I guess, um, other way to put it, but given everything that's been going on recently, you know, I, I wanted to ask you this, but I didn't want to, you know, spike the interview, but since you kind of brought up, you know, the negativity and just a cesspool that social media is, um, how's it been recently given everything going on in the world and how fucking crazy everything is and the high holidays just passing. I mean, has this been, you know, the darker of times you can remember, or are you just used to it at this point? Um, I, like I said, I think, I think I trained for this. Like, I think I went through this like maybe 10 years ago and I was going through a divorce and I was getting like, I wasn't starting to sign to shave my beard or not wear a yarmulke anymore. And at that, that time I wasn't prepared for it. And I was, it really, really hurt me. Like I was, it was really um, painful. And I think at this point, it's like, uh, I knew right away. I'm like, this is going to trigger motherfuckers. Like on every side, there's people are going to be saying like the worst shit. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think once I read a comment that was like, we're going to come rape your three-year-old daughter in front of you, I was like, okay, time to, time to, uh, time to check out again from the comments. I'm not going to like, <laughs> let this affect me. I'm Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you know? And so it's like, um, so it's like, uh, and, it, and what's interesting is that I feel like, okay, during my career, when I started out, you know, I came out of yeshiva and I was very Hasidic and I, you know, I wasn't raised that way. I became Hasidic in college, went to yeshiva and I felt very, very deeply connected to being Jewish. It was very important to me. And that was something that people saw. They weren't offended by it. They it was attractive to people actually, and people couldn't understand like why would shave, why would do that. So it goes back to the whole authenticity thing. And I, and I went through a process of expansion and deciding I don't want to be religious. I don't agree with certain things. This whole you know there's there's many points in this religion that I don't I don't um, buy into and. Um, it became less the center of my focus and like my humanity, I would say became, you know, or, or just being a human being and, and the ups and downs of life, being a father, all have, you know, being in relationships, um, spirituality, and always backed by this sort of like this, like what, what I learned and like how, where, how my brain was built in within that Hasidic, like philosophical place, but expanding beyond that. This what's happened has made me like reconnect to that feeling of that original like modest Yahoo and like the Jewish spirit like deep deep it woke something up inside of me, and it's done that for a lot of Jews. So when you say ask if it's been a period of darkness, like it's been dark. Like I wait, we all me all my friends all the people I know we wake up with nightmares. I I wake up you know dreaming that I'm a hostage in, in Gaza and in cold sweats or that, um, you know, all kinds of shit. I can think of the worst crazy shit ever, but I will say that the amount of light that you see coming out of my, my son's in Israel right now. I was just on FaceTiming him. We're just talking about shit. I'm trying to give him like a pep talk about like being 18. You know, I'm like, I'm like, yo, 
18 year old because he played hockey i'm like 18 year olds nhl players at 18 what are they doing right now like they're on their grind i'm like you know 18 year old like soldiers right now going into gaza are like focused determined i'm like you want to be a musician like take that level with you i'm I'm talking i'm giving them this pep talk i'm like i'm the fucking best dad ever and like this music keeps getting louder and louder i'm like yo what is that fucking music and he's just like, yo, check out this on FaceTime. And he just like puts it to the streets, like a random street in Israel. I see them dancing with like all Israelis just jumping and dancing in the streets. So I'm just like a normal day, just in the middle of the street. This is going on all over Israel right now. So the Jews right now, it's like if you're Jewish, this this whole thing has like erupted something inside of you. And like it, it, it you know, there's a darkness to it, but there's a, like a huge light to it, you know, a huge light that's going to pour out of our people. And you see it happening now. So that's really, really, I'm glad I asked that question because that's probably the last answer I expected. Um, I know as a Catholic, I think it's just been shocking, you know, as an American to see just this underlying racism that I think we kind of thought was a thing of the past and has just reared its head. And it's like, holy shit, man, like not having to experience that growing up. Um, and, you know, I have Jewish family, Jewish friends, obviously, and just seeing now it public and in the forefront and just so fucking like, blatant from people it's it's really it's such an eye-opener and it's like really 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 ugly and and well thanks for thanks for noticing and like saying that like a lot of people are not saying that so it means a lot to me to to know that like i appreciate that out of darkness comes light boys can i also kind of maybe it's an interesting question but i I, I was interesting for me what i mean is um when you uh, said you kind of pulled away from at least the Hasidic aspect of, of your Judaism, did you find yourself going back and listening to lyrics and things that you had written and re-examining and changing opinions on them? I'm just kind of interested how that shift within your spiritual life has affected your looking at your past art and you basically just your viewpoints. Right? No, that's I know a great even from my perspective, I do the same thing. Like we're constantly changing our opinions, our thoughts, what we find a deep attachment to. And I go back and listen and think, oh, I was onto something there. I shouldn't throw that away. Or oh, I was completely full of shit on that aspect in an old song. Yeah. No, I, I go back and I listen to those single songs and I have like no issue with it. You know, you're a warrior fighting for your soul or from the forest itself comes a handle for the axe. Like all the songs that I wrote when like early on when I was Hasidic, every single one of them was like every lyric was authentic to me at the time. And like it, and it, it built what came next. You know, I don't really have an issue. I mean, there's been times in my life where. I was in certain stages or certain things about where I was at. And I look back on that as a person or whatever. And I'm like, damn, bro, like that was not it. That was not cool. <laughs> right. But in terms of the music, I have to say that when I sing those songs, they always like serve a, uh, they never felt weird to sing or anything like that. There were times I didn't want to sing those songs because it wasn't as 
relevant to me and wasn't as exciting to me as some of the like, newer material I had or whatever, or as just improvising. But I never felt like when I'm saying this lyric, it's it's hypocritical of me now or it doesn't work. Um, and then now singing them, there's like a whole nother new context to it, you know, mm-hmm. of like, you're, you know, where it's like, wow, I was singing, I actually was singing about like, not just like the fight between the soul and the body, you're a warrior fighting for your soul. Like I'm actually talking about like the existence of the Jewish people, like, and, and I was tapped into that, you know, to some level, you know? So, um, so when I sing those songs now, I'm like, oh, wow, this is in this context, it's, it's, it's. It feels on, like it's on fire. These songs, you know. There's something. Cor- correct there's... me if I'm wrong on this. I was talking with my brother, and he was speaking with a friend of his who had gone fairly far down the path of rabbinical school, and they're having discussion about a concept in Judaism. Which this is a secondhand conversation. So correct me if I'm wrong. There's a kind of a concept of basically constantly being in contention with God. It, it, is that? an accurate way to put it and do you find yourself now not contention as in like uh basically there's a constant debate that goes on that yeah, you constantly try there's different forms like there's different ways like Hasidim were relating to god um and that's for sure one of them um to the fact where i actually like became uh started going to a synagogue one time i was in jerusalem I was walking through the old city. It was during the high holidays, like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or something. And um, I heard like this sound, a sound like I never heard. It was musical. It was loud. And I followed the sound to this ultra-Orthodox neighborhood, you know, till I got to this building. And there were probably like 500 to 800 Hasidim in there screaming at the top of their lungs, the prayers. Not singing in like in unison. All together, but drawing out the words in different keys and different melodies. Some yell, like some yelling, some belting, some you know, everyone just full fucking force for hours. Um, and you know, I was like, at that point, I was like so ready for that, and I walked in there and just started screaming too. You know, like not just not just in contention with God, like fucking pissed at God, screaming at him. That's how we're praying. Like and um, then on the other hand, you know, like for sure in the Bible, there's like many stories where like where like someone is like is arguing with God. You know, will you if there's one, you know, if there's one, will you take the will you kill the whole city? That whole type of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that going on. So it's sort of like makes God relatable. It sort of takes God like out of the clouds. And kind of gives him almost human nature, and like uh, sort of makes makes him. I think you know that's definitely part of the Jewish ex- experience for sure. And then, There's sorry, some... not, one last question on this on this thread. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Colin. I'll, I'll get back. Dude, to you're it. on a roll. Keep going. Where do you find yourself now in relation to God? And I know that's a ridiculous question, but you know, you take it in the kind of like a lighter sense of it. Where, where are, where are you at now? I think that, uh, like the idea of God just became less important to me. I started to feel like God wants us to just leave him the fuck alone. Um, <laughs> like basically you know. all these religions and all these people like doing all these things in God's name. 
and uh, even people like praying all day like it's like someone like it's it's like someone like a like a telemarketers like people like calling you all the time like saying they want this they want that and I don't know so I felt like at least for me I was feeling like God just wants me to just like go be a good human being be a good father take the dog for a walk throw the mm-hmm. frisbee have a barbecue Amen. watch a football game be a good and then yeah and then yeah take mushrooms yeah, and then yeah, yeah, take some mushrooms from time to time. Like, like create music. Hell like, yeah. go deep. Like, meditate. Go for a jog. Do these things. But um, and then still sometimes like yeah, I want to put my tefillin on it. And I things I know, like I know the, the prayers in Hebrew by heart. So like, I'll be throwing the frisbee to the dog, and I'll be like, yo, I haven't thought about God in like a long time. Like, not that I feel like I should or I need to, but like, yo, this is a fucking beautiful scene. Like, all right, yo. I'm going to pray right now. And I'll just start praying while I'm throwing the frisbee. Like, I know the prayers by heart. I just start saying them. And like, you I mean, know, it sounds like a broader me, concept like of, it, of, 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 of unity, perhaps. Our Scottish tour manager used to have a, used to call uh, a lot of people God botherers. And I thought that was a great <laughs> way of putting it. It ties exactly <laughs> to what you're saying. It's like, you don't stop, got bo- stop bothering him. Yeah. <laughs> stop fucking around with Korean yeah. Jesus. He don't have time yeah, for your problems. He don't have time for your problems. I was saying, Manas Yahoo, it sounds like me and Dante are Catholic. It sounds like if your idea was that you should leave God alone, we've been doing that our entire lives. <laughs> like, we don't, you go to yeah, a Catholic, that's basically religious. what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this has been fucking incredible. You're the man. I just want you to know that. Thank you. Um, but um, no, I think, yeah, I think for me, like the God thing is fluid. And that's, I was like talking to my son about that too. You know, it's like a lot of people they will say like, okay, well, you know, well, you're not dedicated, you know, like in order to be like in a relationship with God, like there's like a certain kind of discipline that's required that's like committed, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like, I don't know, my commitment is to like the fluidity of my relationship with God. I don't want to get hung up or stuck in any one thing or one place. I mean, I did that for like a while and, and it, it, I gained from it and it, and it was hard, but at this stage, it's like, it's like, um, the relationship with God should be organic and it shouldn't be something that's pressing ever. If it is, well, yeah, then th- there's a, God. there's a strength in, in bending as opposed to just being brittle. My, uh, you know? my, my, my dad is a gay man. He came out, I don't know, 25 years ago, something like that. He had always been raised in Catholic church, super religious church every Sunday, came out as gay, didn't talk to God for a decade or something like that, and then found his way back into being super religious. And as he puts it, you know, he has his own relationship with God and there's no one that can tell him what those conversations should be like between him and God kind of thing. And I always thought that was an interesting viewpoint that he has on that. The Pope's, the Pope's, Pope's on board now, Kenny. You yeah, see that? because of social media, you know what I mean? No, yeah, hundred percent, dude. Social media, Pope just yeah, the Pope's been, Instagram's going it, changing his mind every comment he reads. Well, yeah, his algorithm really wasn't spiking, so he had to throw that in there so he could get some more activity on his comments. That's really what it was. Um, damn, we went deep here, and I appreciate you going deep. And uh, fucking, we should do something in person too. I think we should do something during the summer. Maybe if you're on tour, we'll fucking come by. We'll come bother you on tour. <laughs> you got time for your problems you guys would i would love that i would i would love that if you guys came where where's everyone based are you guys all based in the same oh, area la <laughs> <laughs> yes and the podcast right there chicago i would love that out of here <laughs> we thought that was a joke we thought that was a great burn on us he's like yeah it'd be great guys <laughs> deuces <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> definitely, like, if you guys can all get together and come see me for a show on tour, we'll have a good time. It'll be awesome. Let's oh, do yeah. it. Appreciate that. And Dude, everyone, mushrooms yeah. on you. Mushrooms on Modest Yahoo. Let's go. <laughs>